0: Stupid! He comes across in front of me every single time he
1: overtakes. Where does he want
2: me to go off the track? No! Stop talking
0: to me in the braking zone.
2: Guaranteed to be more on brand than Fernando Alonso parking his car early. Welcome to the 101st episode of Motorsport 101. It, mate. You are the world champion! Welcome to episode 101 of Motorsport 101, 101 squared, the on-brand edition of Motorsport 101. I'm your host Andre Harrison and uh, God, I, I thought I chose a good time to bring back the old guaranteed intro from, from yesteryear. Thanks Lewis for putting together that in episode 100 to remind me how much easier it could be to do intros. And shout out to all you guys on YouTube listening, to, listening to this live show. Um we're doing this live we, we are on on YouTube as we speak. It'll be a little bit cleaner um in the post production version because we're recording this locally as well, but we are live on YouTube as we speak. Shout out to everybody in the stream that is listening in with us right now. 25 of you guys. Right now with us listening in. Thank you very much for that. I know we look a bit weird right now, but cause, like, my microphone's on my windowsill. That's why you can only see like, half my head at all times, unfortunately. But it is what it is. With me, as usual, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir.
3: Hi. And now there's a visual medium to my waving.
2: How uh, disappointing for us all. <laughs> and in the blue corner, representing Tennessee as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. <laughs>
1: howdy y'all um listen i I hope y'all didn't make any unwise adjustment uh investments i mean um like spending a hundred dollars to watch a boring elite just beat up on their competition on a saturday night where you could have just waited a few hours to watch the belgian grand prix
3: Mm -hmm. or spending seven hundred dollars on a driver you did not use
1: Or upwards of 900 fake dollars of a driver who just ate shit at the top of All Rouge.
2: (laughs) Gentlemen, are you finished?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're done for now.
2: (sighs) More on my Centennial Cup woes later. (laughs) But... um... Just get the general housekeeping out of the way. Places you can find us at our website, motorsport101.net. We are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 right now. How about that? We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us personally on Twitter, we are at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. That's in two Ks. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You give, give us you your damn money. Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 right now. Like, that might be the whitest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> if you back us at the $5 level, you get early access to both this show and Bike Live, which returns later this week. Sonami has come back from his Silverstone-related holiday. as Andrea Vizioso is actually a title threat. You would have guessed that at the start of the season but all the talk from Silverstone will be in that bumper edition of the show so look forward to that later this week um we haven't really got keeping it 101 this week kind of sore um like yeah. king's got one yeah. talking about a uh, the other member of the schumacher family we haven't, we haven't talked about yet but um, we'll, we'll tackle that. I think we'll probably drop some F1 2017 stuff in there as well. The video game, because that stuff's cool.
1: Yeah, video games! Yay!
2: Nerd culture! Crossovers! All that fun stuff. Um, so, let's get into It at 101. this one up at the 11th hour? Talk to me more about the other members of the Schumacher family.
3: <laughs> the the other members? Okay, well, we have uh, one David Schumacher who recently announced that he's going to be moving up from karting to uh, German Formula 4 next year, which his cousin was in? Like, uh, his cousin Mick was in last year. And it's kind of... It, it, it's kind of like there. there's a new shinier Schumacher on the table, but again, he's not as hyped up as his cousin because, you know, he's the son of Ralph Schumacher, not the son of Michael.
1: I was just about to ask if he was the son of Ralph Schumacher. Yes.
3: Yes. And he's currently doing phenomenal in karting. He's, uh, I think, currently they're halfway through uh, the European karting season. He's uh, he's second in the German Karting Championship, so there's a shot for him to win that. And right now he's sixth in the European Championship.
2: Damn. That that that's some cotton pedigree right there. Jeez, um, I had no idea that uh Ralph Schumacher had a son that was also in racing like that. So that's actually pretty friggin' neat. Um, well,
3: funny enough, the first time I heard about David was when ralph gotten that tiff with alonzo's carding circuit getting on the european championship schedule uh, while you know the schumacher family circuit has never been on the european championship schedule
2: i mm. see of course <laughs> it all makes sense we're, t- we're tying that down because we saw mick schumacher get uh, an exhibition event at during the belgian grand prix weekend where he got to drive his dad's old, I think it was the 1994 Benetton, I want to say it
1: was. Yeah, it was the 94 Benetton. They only changed out a couple of stickers on it. Uh, Mick had like this crazy like half helmet, where wow, half of awesome. it was his father's old 1994 helmet design, and the other half was his own livery.
2: Yeah, very cool. Very cool. As, as, a, as a helmet enthusiast, I can tell you that is top tier. Right there. Very cool shit. Yeah. Um, well... But, uh, that was that hit me right in the feels because you know like I, I was a future Mecca fan growing up and just seeing this son out there doing what his dad did um, very very cool I have to say that a so, so shout out to Mick on that on that one like he, like everything about him just reminds me of Michael and I, and I mean that like ob- again there's a level of obviousness in that because obviously he's a son but at the same time it's like he sounds like a young version of Michael he looks like a young version of Michael. <laughs> He has all the mannerisms already. He's got the helmet design. He's totally on brand with the family line, and that is so cool. I would love to see him in Formula One one day because, like you know, the second a second generation Schumacher in the modern day would be pretty sick. Especially if he ends up being half the talent that he, the, uh, the, the, if he's half the talent his dad was, and he's gonna he's gonna be very very <laughs> pushedy in Formula One, so to speak um so yeah that was very very cool indeed so um congrats yeah congrats to mick that was a a really cool moment and uh yeah not a dry eye in the house on twitter when that was going on and shout out to the formula one youtube channel did a great job of putting the side-by-side footage uh, together that was very very cool as well like i'm glad nice i'm very glad that uh, liberty media and the guys that are running the youtube channel are actually digging into their archives to bring up footage like this especially somebody older on board footage because like in the run-up to this weekend they had, like, the on-board of Hakkinen when he was fighting Schumacher in 2000. And, of course, that pass um, down the Kemmel straight with Zonta in the middle. And it, seeing it from that angle, it is so sick. <laughs> um, just seeing the three of them go free wide down the Kemmel straight and then... Like the previous lap when Schumacher pretty much cut Hacking and Off right on the apex. That would, that would like it, It's firmly in the bracket of moves that would not fly in 2017. <laughs> um, but in, in 2000, it was fair game, pretty much. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just unbelievable stuff from the F1's YouTube channel. Great job on them for using their archive. Like their F1 channel is getting better and better by the week. I, I don't know if you've been watching it, but I'm a big fan of the Grid 2017, just seeing how the guys interact with each other. Um, even the really awkward ones like Sauber where they don't really get along, but it's like we will come together for the sake of answering quiz questions, and uh, they're all terrible. <laughs> gotta look
3: good in front of the media.
2: Yeah, and you know they, how terrible they were. Like the one that was funny was at Reno. Like Renault for example, with like. Hulkenberg and Palmer, like those two blatantly did not get on answering those questions, like Palmer thinks he's such a know-it-all and Hulkenberg thinks he knows everything, so it's like two guys of enormous egos beating heads of each other all the time, it's hilarious Um, but yeah, F1's doing a genuinely um, great job of um, getting their media out there, the new approach I'm definitely a big big fan of, speaking of new media uh, for those guys that are watching on YouTube this came out uh, this, this past week. I have the Steelbook edition because it's very pretty. Uh, because in, in the world of gaming, we all need more Steelbooks. Steelbooks make everything better. Um, and yes, F1 2017 came out. I love that everybody on here has got like all the moody, serious faces on except for Daniel Ricardo, who like literally can't help himself because he was, like he's just stolen Sebastian's lunch money out of his back pocket. Um, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Daniel didn't
1: get the memo. You gotta have that like stoic cover pose sort of deal.
2: Yeah, it's like you know the arms crossed, the pose into the camera, like like it's a, like it's a Monday night football game. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, University of Stevenage, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the arms up, the pose, the grumpy look, like yeah, I'm serious. I'm a racing driver. Um, but uh, yeah, F1 2017 came out this past Friday um before i really get into it i want to I just want to say now we're actually recording this live i want to say a massive massive thank you to christina and, and the guys at, on cody's team for not only letting me into the public beta so i could actually test the game before it came out but also sending me a really freaking cool care package which included a t-shirt a pen a mug which is now residing in my bookies at work for all that free tea that we drink and this really cool notepad as well because like like uh, Catherine will love me for this one. Uh, Catherine, Brandon, I know you're listening to this. He loves a good notepad. This is so sick. <laughs> like it is such gangster. I am. I am not. I am not above sending out for the course. So <laughs> shout out to everyone at Cody's for sending me that cool stuff. Really appreciate it This king just looks on with a disgusting look on his face. <laughs> 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 but, t- <laughs> but Dre, you sell out. I was like, I didn't sell out. I bought in. <laughs> So thanks to Christine and everybody at Cody for hooking, hooking me up with that cool stuff. Uh, maybe next year, if we if we grind out enough things, we can get on the press release list. Who knows? <laughs> but um, we should, we should definitely is... start. We should
3: definitely start a co-op championship. That'll definitely get us on the press release list.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, jeez, like, it, it, is, it is funny that uh, this game's out now. And I mean, King, like, what did you make of it all? Like, like, like it, the game's have been out for a few days, and. Um, for me, I'm really enjoying. It. I think it's a fantastic game. I mean, what do you think?
3: <laughs> uh, since since I only play career mode and yeah. like, pretty yeah, pretty much only career mode. To me, it's the best Code Masters game that they like the best Code Masters Formula One game they've ever put out.
2: <laughs> I think so. I th- I, I, the reviews for it have been Insanely good Like They're in the upper 8 sort of range I think, got, I think they're batting at about 87 On Metacritic right now Which is by a mile Their highest score for an F1 game They've, they've put out in recent times mm. um, and I think it's justified For the most part Like I, As a career mode guy myself I think the career mode itself is fantastic um the hand in model of the game is great. It's it's a, it's it's very it's very satisfying to play in the sense of like normally when in my days of let's playing, um like in, in my days of let's playing I was a live commentary sort of guy, but because the game was so floppy on hand and you could talk while playing at the same time quite easily. In F1 twenty seventeen you can't do that. Like the game is just it, it sucks you into its zone where you have to concentrate hard to drive. And the more you put into it, the more rewarding it is on the back end. I think it's fantastic in that sense. It's harder to pass cars this year because they nerfed the slipstream effect. So that, that definitely helps. Um, well, like,
3: they kind of nerfed it because that's how the cars are Yeah, real exactly.
2: Life. You know, so, you know, it, you can't slipstream quite as much this year because, you know, the cars themselves are, you know... It's very authentic to real F one right now. The one stoppers are overpowered, <laughs> and you can't really tow anybody anymore. But um, yeah, like overall, I think it's a fantastic game. The new R and D tree is great. I love the fact that you can basically build your own version of the car, basically, and you choose, you know, where to develop. You know, you can improve the car's reliability or you can go down the road of chassis development, powertrain development or aero development depending on you know where your car might have weaknesses compared to others because every car is different in the career mode and every team develops differently as the career mode goes on it's all at random so no two career modes are ever quite the same um, unless
3: you're at McLaren
2: and in this case it's if unless you're at McLaren case, it it's all terrible all day um, yeah. Shout out to my man Scott Woodwist for doing that. And on a serious note, shout out to Ben for being masochistic enough to pick McLaren for a career mode. You're a better man than me, Ben. I'll give you that. But um, yeah, that is, um, you know, it, that's kind of nuts in that sense. That, yeah. Uh, you, know, like the, uh, sy- you know, I had to look at
1: the system. I had to look at the system requirements for this thing. I think I got to do a little bit of upgrading if I want to get this game. because It sounds badass. I just don't it have is. enough RAM for it. Yeah. It's,
2: it's it's great, and you've got the classic cars they've thrown back in there as well, and they are stacked full of them from oh, the 80s, my... 90s, and 2000s. God, even, I want the 2000... it. even the 2010 Red Bull RB6 is in there as well, which won Red Bull's first championship in 2010. And they feel significantly different. Like, I've driven the F2004 game, I don't know about you, but it's so fast. Like, it is. As fast as like, the modern car. Admittedly
3: it's it's more realistic than the original one. Like when I'm when you say it's so fast, it's so grippy. Like yes. you could take all the corners, but there's like no top end speed.
2: Yeah, it's like it's, it's like playing Wipeout again. It's just like oh this car is really fast. Like <laughs> it's like it's got all the hand ability, but like they haven't got the top end speed that the modern cars have, but like the, the amount of mechanical grip is just off the charts it's ridiculous or if you drive the red Bull Rb6 in 2010 like the um, like it's so it feels so much lighter than driving the modern cars you can just chuck it into corners and it's like it, uh, the car will, will, will hold you off and it and it will carry you through those corners it is ridiculous to drive those cars um, I'm not saying the game is perfect I've, I've, you've probably seen the reports of oddline being broken because Kind of is right now They released a patch today for the PS4 And PC to address some of the problems um, It's a shame That the online beta Didn't go to plan even though they only had 300 people in it, it didn't really go great There was problems back then And the problems seemed to have carried over which is a shame There's still numerous glitches That need to be ironed out Which is the same deal with every Cody's game really, There's always a, a, a good chunk Of, re, of release yeah. day bugs that need ironed out we, We're like you know certain guys that are making those glitch videos for well, the first two weeks the game comes out and then they patch them later. And you know I'm looking at yeah, you. like,
3: <laughs> I, I've only noticed... Like, like I've only noticed three, like, big glitches during my time playing the game. Like, one thing that constantly happens is the skybox. You know, the clouds, the cl- like, it constantly glitches out where it's, like, it stutters and stuff like that. Uh, also... The drivers kind of like sometimes just disappear from their cars, where like you're, you're yeah. racing against an empty car. And then another one is the textures sometimes just don't load in, so it's all like just blurry pixelated yeah, textures. Sometimes so
2: my brothers had that on the PS4 because he's got the PS4 version of the game, and he's had a couple of like, where the where like the helmet won't render properly. It's very weird. Um, yeah, so again, it's far from perfect. It's it's still got sadly the yearly problem of Cody's early game release Gremlins but hopefully they'll be ironed out real soon because the core gameplay I think is fantastic and the career mode is great I just pray to god they can fix multiplayer because that is where the money is going to be for a lot of people, especially those the, the league racers out there that you know the guys, the, the limitless is the TR Martins of the world, the guys that are going online in the AOR and racing every weekend it, it's, it's, it's yeah, not I don't,
3: I don't think that's where the money is I think that's just where the loudest complaints are going to come from <laughs>
2: Very that too, <laughs> that too like, let's be real here. Um, but yeah, that's always going to be a thing um, because those guys are very deeply invested in it, and especially now that we're going to have an esports championship, you know,
1: esports, esports, woo! We're
2: going to see Noble dominate another championship.
1: <laughs> but
2: uh, you know, again, great, great for Formula One to have esports, and I'm I'm delighted that Cody's are the ones that are running it, and they've done. they apparently they've worked very, very hard behind the scenes to make that happen. So and that's great. Like esports is fantastic, and, I, and I, I'm glad that there's more of an esports influence in in racing games in general. I mean, before, like, not too long ago, the only game we had representing it was Trackmania, for frick's sake. So I'm glad that we're getting, you know, more. Remember like, more.
1: when the pinnacle of motorsport-related esports was the Vegas ePre? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, or, or we could go back further. Remember when, it, when when the best we got was like one race of Project Gotham Racing on during the Championship Gaming series, <laughs> like. That was about as far as it got back then. <laughs>
1: man, man, I just gotta say, Trackmania Nations, like World Cup Edition, like that was legit, and it was free, and it was so much fun. You could get like hours and hours of great gameplay out of it, Yeah. if you had the right controller. If you were just using it on a keyboard, you might as well just go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with all that in mind, I think they've got, I think they've got a very, very good core package for Formula One 2017, and. Like, for me personally, this is definitely the, their best game in the series so far, and this is finally the F1 game that I think has hit the most amount of potential for Cody's in the, in the grand scheme of things. Like, this is like a basically a done over 2013, and I think that is a good place to start. Because I think 2013 was where the series about peaked in terms of just... Yeah, that was the last game. one that I had. Yeah, yeah, the classic. Still play it all the had, time. The cars, the extra tracks, the bonus content, and yeah, the cars themselves weren't that fun to drive. But yeah, overall, I think twenty thirteen was the best game in the series beforehand. Um, I think seventeen is the best since then, and I think it's a slightly better game because the game itself is more fun. Um, so, yeah, like where
3: when you when you hit like race three and race four of career mode where where reliability starts coming into play for not only you but the other cars oh my god it's so much fun
2: I've just done two races so far I'm, I'm, I'm starting Bahrain's weekend probably tonight so that's and
1: McLaren fun. have already used their fourth engine
2: <laughs> <laughs> the more things change the more they stay the same um, but yeah, I I will probably do at least one full game review video of the game itself in the next couple of weeks when I find some time. Um, I've still got my old capture card growing dust somewhere in the corner of my bedroom, so I might I might put it to use for something. Um, so stick around; there'll probably be more on that, you know, in the in the coming days. Uh, so stick, look forward to that, and who knows, I might do a one-off career mode episode or something. That that you know, like I'll, I'll come out of retirement for one night only. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, let's do Bahrain. Oh no, my engines failed. <laughs> Great episode, guys. See you in Baku. But is that um, Paul Rest
1: to come back?
2: Yeah, like stick to reporting, son, basically. But um, yeah, um, that'll just about do it for keeping it 101. Let's get into Formula One and the Belgian Grand Prix. It didn't It
1: didn't catch up on its reading list. It didn't do any of it. No. You, know, you know when you get that summer reading list, you're just going to start on it like the first week you get into school? Shit. <laughs> That's pretty
2: yep. much Like, if, like like if it's you're it's
1: really me. desperate, you're going to get those cliff notes. But other than yeah. that, you haven't started on that summer reading list because you know you just want to hang out in the pool all day.
2: <laughs> it's me. Like, every time I sign up for a new gym membership,
3: it's like, first week, this is great. Week two... Ah uh, maybe next week. Uh, nah, <laughs> Renault was like the the Renault Power Unit Department. They're were like, we're going to South France. We're not doing anything. It's
2: like well, sod them, Red Bull's not got our name on the marquee. You're like, why are we helping them? <laughs> More on that later. But uh King, Hamilton wins, lol. Uh, <laughs> uh
3: I'm both happy and sad. <laughs>
2: Yes, because uh, <laughs> happy, happy because the centennial the centennial cup team leader won the race. Delightful news, of course, yes. but but sad because well, he's not the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan in the world. But yes, Lewis Hamilton wins his fifty eighth career race, and on, on, on top of that, um, whew, also takes. Oh ties, I should say, the all-time pole position record from Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher had 68 pole positions in his career. Lewis Hamilton now also has 68, and I have to say, I mean, it was a very nice moment to have, like Will Buxton come out. Obviously, they're, they're, they're basically their MotoGP rip off of. Let's interview the guys straight after the session is over, and park and pot the cars up on the grid, and now boxes shove a microphone in their face. Um, <laughs> totally the original idea. But um, they, like, it's like, okay, Lewis, I'm you, sure you've realized what you've done today. Here's Ross Brawn. It's like, hey, Ross Brawn. Ah.
3: Hey,
2: we like Ross Braun, Yay. And then he goes on and says, like, oh, yeah, the Schumacher family wants to say congratulations. And then I love that all of F1's social media was like, oh, Lewis is in tears. And I'm like, he wasn't in tears. He was just very happy.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like when he tied her to the center. No, no. Then no. That, he was shocked.
2: <laughs> no, like, that, like, there was a difference there it's like cause we all know like everybody knows that hamilton was a senna guy not a schumacher guy and then he's said the honor of racing with schumacher obviously during this comeback but he was always a center guy and you know, everybody knows that so it was never going to be quite the same but a, a lovely gesture from the schumacher family to pass on their congratulations and um... and of
1: course the next time hamilton wins the pole position and takes the record Will truly be the nicest pole position of all time <laughs>
2: I knew that was coming I knew it was coming I tried to stop it
3: Hey, hey, Lewis, 69's available you can always switch your number always switch your number
2: Nice, nice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah you can, you can bring Reeds Aurora back into the paddock and give her a nice twerk to celebrate um, Oh my god <laughs> So yeah, sixty-eight pole positions for Lewis Hamilton, and uh, I begrudgingly at work gave him a standing ovation as a congratulations because I am a classy, humble Sebastian Vettel fan.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but what about the race, though? (laughs) What about the
2: race, though? (laughs) An an eternal beacon of disappointment yet again. Like, like, okay, I'm gonna be real with you on this. Okay, like this is this is like reports from the Dre Vettel camp right here. I will take that second. It was a good second. Like, honestly, I thought going into this weekend, I thought Lewis Hamilton was going to curb stop everybody. So the fact that Seb was pretty much competitive, and, I mean, the race was basically a glorified time attack pretty much the entire way through between Lewis and Seb. And, and it's, like, after the pit stops, that a lost time, you gained it back again. Um, it felt like Hamilton was playing possum For the most part Turns out we now know why he was so fast After the safety car came out uh, More on that in the news section
3: <laughs> But um, Well we, we could talk about how he did How he disagreed with the fact That there was a safety car even called Why does Lewis do this to me King
2: It's like every time I like Warm to Lewis again when he goes Like two weeks without saying something stupid he goes and says something stupid. Like, like, they should. Like, he. I think the quote was they were trying to copy NASCAR by saying they brought out a safety car for entertainment purposes when there is a heaping chunk of, of Esteban Ocon's front wing dead center in the middle of the track down the hill towards Radalon. And it's just like, Lewis, no! <laughs> just, un- un- like, unquestionably, no! No, <laughs> yeah, oh, like, Lewis.
3: You know, oh my God! I got the quote from. Well, I got the quote from Lewis on the radio. There's no deb- no debris anywhere. BS call from the stewards. Yeah, that,
2: that and was an after the race, one
3: with you. You the uh, after the race, he said, "Well, I felt it was a bit like NASCAR where they keep pulling out the safety cars for no reason. The wing was cleared. After we'd slowed down, they could have done a virtual safety car, but I guess they wanted to see a race." That's for sure the reason they did that. Because there was hardly any debris. If at all. They they cleaned it so well. They cleaned it so well. So in other words,
2: they did their job properly. What a guy, Lewis. What a guy. Brilliant observational oh skills. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lewis. It's like, uh, like, like... If he never said anything, he'd be a lot more likable. <laughs> it's just a frustrating... He just says so many dumb things sometimes, and this is just another one of those things to qualify, which is a shame because it was a magnificent yeah. drive from Lewis. And
3: like, to be honest, like about Lewis Hamilton on track, I like him. Off track, I like him. But there's that middle in-between part where he's like right before and after each race, where it's like, can you please just not, like not say anything, just get through this, <laughs> just, just just don't say any like
2: like like go back to McLaren Lewis Hamilton for just like 10 minutes after a race immediately finishes bring back corporation Hamilton just for the Yeah, enders. like
3: like you you could go home next day ball out all you want cuz I don't care. Yeah, man.
2: That'd be great right there. It's a shame. like I said it was a magnificent drive from Lewis. That was that was 44 laps <laughs> Forty-four of, of sustained pressure from Sebastian Vettel pretty much the entire Grand Prix, especially after the safety car, um, the second safety car, where basically Seb was on the ultra soft tyre and Hamilton was on the soft tyre, and I was and I was sitting there going, easy pickings. Here we go, we got him now. And then there's like, oh, what do you mean the Mercs is just as fast on the soft tyres as, as the friggin' ultra softs? I hate this sport. <laughs> mm. I wasn't salty, not n- not in the slightest. But I I, I yeah. love.
3: Besides the 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 controversial part that we'll get to later, Lewis actually employed some like ingenious defensive driving tactics where he, where he would you know he'd lift going into O'Rouge oh. so Vettel couldn't go flat out through O'Rouge to chase him down. <laughs>
2: Like, I have to say, that is straight up gangster shit from Lewis Hamilton right there. Like that was an incredible bit yeah. of nouse from Lewis. It
1: wasn't. It wasn't dirty. It wasn't like underhanded. It was just solid. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like dude I, knows how to drive. Yeah, it's it's almost like he's one of the six or seven best drivers of all time or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I just sit back and I just go. I, I read that and I was like. You motherfucker! <laughs> like, I was so angry <laughs> I read that, but only because it was like Ronnie O'Sullivan levels of genius right there, just to just to concoct something up like that. Like ninety-five percent of drivers ever would not think something like that, and Lewis is in that five percent that is just zen-like. When it, like, like Mark Webber made this point saying that Lewis Hamilton, he said that Lewis Hamilton was on Schumacher's level when like during the pre-race build, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, like that, that's That's a bit of a hot take there Mark Like, s- Settle down for a second And the reason he used for this was because He said that like Michael made Mistakes but Lewis just doesn't make Mistakes under pressure And then that race happens and it kind of Proved Mark's point and it's like Shit <laughs> 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 Like Lewis just Didn't crack under 44 Laps of just insane pressure He, he did not put a Wheel out of place and that was utterly infuriating. There's <laughs> a Seb guy here in second, but you know, for me personally, I thought that you know, Seb keeping up in second. I thought Ferrari were going to get smoked here. They are actually pretty darn competitive out there. So I am. That's made me feel a bit better about the second half of the season for sure. That Seb was able to stay with Lewis pretty much the entire race. Um, it just proves that you know that what we've always kind of known that it's a, it's a class of two in Formula 1 right now. It's a class of two, and then there's everybody else. Like, like you've got that, you've got those two, you've got the next bracket of, like, Alonso, Val, and Ricciardo, and maybe Verstappen you can chuck in there too, but those two are just... They're, they're very, very special. And, you know, like, those two have been beating the piss out of each other all season long, and it's only going to continue for the rest of the season, I reckon. Sorry, Val, maybe next year, but... Um, <laughs> Sorry, King, but uh, <laughs> but it's just like those two. I think are just on another level, King.
3: Yeah, he he really is. Mm-hmm. Man, this is this is the title fight we've been waiting for since what 2010. Pretty
2: much, like they were second fiddle in 2010 to Weber and Alonso, which is still kind of scary to think that was only seven years ago. There was Weber v. Alonso, and they ended up like they ended up fighting, trying to get past some Russian dude while. Hamilton and Vettel were at the front of that day. It was like, it was almost like they, they were writing the future for us. You just didn't know it at the time. Uh, but, um, yeah. You know. It's like it's like straight over the chat, just goes, Dre, you forgot one key point on the restart. <laughs> one of them had a Mercedes engine, one didn't. Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> 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 mm. Yeah, very true. Very true indeed. But, um, there was actually a lot of drama in this race um, but behind the, the lead fights that we will now dip our toes into. And uh, sadly, we are now going to cut to the corner of RJ O'Connell to tell us more about the sad tale of the Pink Panthers.
1: Okay. Um, this uh, this whole civil workforce, in India has me feeling some kind of way here. <laughs> um, in case you missed it, on the very first lap of the race, uh, Sergio Perez and Esteban O'Connor Yep. Uh, collided after the start. Um, they catch up to each other eventually in a battle for position. And coming down to the descent to a Rouge, Ocon holds the inside line. He's got a wing underneath Sergio Perez. Perez just kind of fades right into him, fades right into him, and oh shit, there's a wall to Ocon's right. And oh goodness, now his front wing is chopped off and now Perez has a blown out tire. It's... Hmm... This, uh, this was starting to escalate after Azerbaijan, if you remember that incident where, similarly, um, one of them just kind of chopped the other off coming out of a corner, and it ruined one of their races. I believe it was Perez who got the worst end of this deal. Yeah, uh, Perez gets the worst end of this deal again, and now everybody is upset, and now Force India are having to tell their kids, hey, hey, y'all just just chill for a second. Just, just Just uh, you know, cool it, cool it. Fits your face.
2: They they told them to take your ball and go home because nobody can play together anymore. They basically said that, like, they said. Forcing said, "This is not going to happen again. We're not going to let them race anymore." Basically,
3: (laughs) which yeah, they pretty much said. They pretty much said, if it happens again, uh, you could expect a race ban from us here at the team.
1: Wow. Yeah, they're gonna go right over the top of like the penalty points. They're just gonna go like, um, yeah, fuck it, Nikita Mazapan, do it. <laughs> Get in there, Nikita.
2: <laughs> they're gonna stick. They're gonna stick one of their boys in the sin bin, so to speak, um, or in the American version, the penalty box. But um,
1: yeah. you know it's bad when when freaking Jacques Villeneuve is, uh, <laughs> is the voice of reason with his recent comments today. On Perez for driving dirty, and I listen. I know Perez kind of races with a with a bit of an edge, and some other people haven't been happy with him lately. But you know, it's this is still a really good team. Um, It's just a shame that they can't get their shit together um, and cooperate on the same level. If they weren't decisively the fourth best team on the grid, every race in and race out, They, they would probably be in trouble losing fourth place, especially if this keeps up.
2: Absolutely. Um yeah, it's it's absolutely that and it's a shame because they are they are an excellent team. As you say, they are the clear fourth best team in Formula One right now, and Esteban Ocon has been nothing but consistent and incredibly impressive and pretty much running nose to tail with Perez all season long. And this is now the third time but the feathers have been ruffled with this team during an incident this year. We saw it obviously in, in Baku where Perez got the worst of it then when Ocon had a exuberant pass down the inside as one of those ninety-degree street circuit corners that, we, that you know Herman Tilker loves so much. Um, we saw it at Canada when they had arguments over who, which car should be in front as the rampant Vettel came from behind. Um, seeing the arguments like like whether Ocon should have been let through and you know basically force India couldn't decide what to do. That was fun. Um, and now this is basically strike free from the from Force India. It's was like, okay, guys, you you, you, can, you two clearly can't race together, and it's a shame because it's like, it's like Force India have got this so easy. They're the clear fourth best team in F one. There is no competition for them out there in that spot right now. Williams is too inconsistent. Renault's only got one effective driver right now, and Haas isn't quite there yet. Um, so they've got that fourth place on lock right now, and yeah just uh not not good from force india so to speak on that one and i i'm stunned that sergio perez didn't get any sort of grid drop or penalty point punishment for next race for what he did because that was that was very reminiscent to me of when michael schumacher ran rubens Barrichello extremely close to that wall in hungary in 2010 where like like schumacher you know you know how little Chilean is he's willing to run rubens up against the wall like that's (laughs) your man's like like, like, come on! And it was pretty much an identical incident here, where it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, like, I love that Esteban was uh, very stout in the post-race press conference. He said, "I'm going to give Sergio some mad words. I'm not afraid of him." <laughs> I, I, and I, I so, love what does
1: he him. do? He, he heads on to Twitter.
2: <laughs> he
3: puts Good out a oh, my God! where he it's accuses
2: Jekko like... of trying to kill him twice.
3: <laughs> oh, all the stuff that has gone down on Twitter recently, because I know we have a lot of stuff that, that that's not on the set list that went down on Twitter over the weekend. Oh Sean Ray Hall versus
1: Sage Kill two. <laughs> <laughs> it's the oh, scrap of the that. Waffle House. <laughs> and there's you know, your inside highlights. I'll... Congratulations. I'd
3: I'd book a flight to Atlanta, Georgia, to see a scrap in a Waffle House parking lot. <laughs> 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 I, would,
2: I would pay good money on pay per view to see Lally versus Karen, uh, or, or as he called him, race car Twitter's tra- adopted trash bag son. Um, <laughs> that would have been great, but yeah, like he's Ocon goes on Twitter and basically says Perez tried to kill me twice. No chill. None whatsoever. Like merely. Mi- no tweet and delete.
1: I mean. No <laughs> and tweet st- and delete either. It's still no. up there. It's still <laughs> up there <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> as we speak it is still um.
2: there. And of course he had the he had the, the very teen centric PR team esque response. Fire an iPhone note page, of course. Like like all good apologies are written on these days. Uh, <laughs> saying, you know, like uh, I apologise for what I had to say. I apologise for my partner said we're going to come together as a team and we'll rally on for Monza next time. Yeah, all the all those good, encouraging, you know, PR centric things. But um, you probably got a strong letter from the HR department regarding that one.
1: Uh, <laughs> got a strong coaching.
2: Strong coaching. Um, that, that to <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is, man. But. Uh, it's a shame. It is a shame because I, I, I like Force India. I like their team a lot. And it's a great team. Esteban Ocon has hit the ground running, joining that team. But, uh, oh boy. Um, yeah. Not Shall good we talk the about Force the
1: King system. of Spa?
2: Yeah, we'll talk about King Shout of Spa. Shout
1: out to the King of Spa. <laughs> the Iron
2: that, Friend himself, Kimmy Rocken. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, Kimmy Riken. Uh, geez. Not the best weekend for Kimi. It, was he, it, like, it all started so well for him. He, was, he looked super strong in practice. I thought, okay, Kimmy's doing Kimmy things at Spa again. And, um... Yeah, it went south quite big in qualifying. He had to abandon his, his, his real hot lap at the end. Ended up giving Seb a toe instead. And, of course, that put Seb on the front row <laughs> alongside Lewis. Um, but that uh, surprised me off-color this weekend. But... Um, yeah, like Seb, time for a second, Raikkonen was never really in that lead fight, um, was behind Val most of the way. Um, but then when Max Verstappen's car suffered an engine failure, again, more on that in a minute, uh, Raikkonen ignores the double wave, the yellows around Max's car as they were moving it off the track, and the stewards came down at him like a ton of bricks. A 10-second stop-and-go penalty, pretty much the maximum penalty the stewards can give out outside of a DQ. Um, now this of course King caused the internet to flip it's collective shit because immediately they went back to Baku and Sebastian Vettel's 10 second stop and go for dangerous driving and it's like why is Reichen and getting a 10 second stop and go when Vettel rammed another driver on purpose and oh King did you see my yeah. delightful twitter ether regarding that quite quickly No,
1: n- no I did not dude he didn't even lift yeah. <laughs> he that he did not even
2: lift. Bang to rights. He blatantly like it isn't. It is an undisputable blatant ign- ignorance of double wave the yellows. For those guys that don't know, double wave the yellows means slow down and be prepared to stop, <laughs> basically. And and goes through it at full racing speed. Ten seconds yeah. stop and go. And I, I said this on Twitter during the race itself. The, the last time somebody blatantly Ignored Double Wave the yellows the guy Died that's probably the Reason why Kimi got yeah, a and, and it's, and it's
3: slow down And be prepared to stop in case You know some person were to happen To fall in front of you Or you know Step in front of your path without realizing You're coming mm-hmm. because that can cause serious Harm to you know the person Who steps into your path and Yourself
2: Exactly. Right,
1: goodness. So, Lord knows how many uh, sports car racing broadcasts I've listened to in the last few years where the commentators are going off about how quickly the cars are driving while there's a stop car and while there's rescue vehicles and safety crews working on the side. So it's not just an exactly. F1 thing. Yeah.
2: It's not just an F1 thing and any rule that endangers people in terms of safety breaches is going to be clamped on hard and I'm glad that the stewards dished out the basically the biggest penalty they could for something like this, because what Raikkonen did was blatantly super dangerous. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I have no problem with a 10-second stop and go at all. Again, a lot of people on the internet did, and I was like, like, the amount of people, King, that tweeted me, you know what, fair points after I put that out there, regarding what <laughs> happened with Jules, it was a good half dozen. I'm not even humble yeah. bragging this. Like, it was a good half time. It was like, Drain, uh, tra- that's actually a pretty fair point.
3: Like, I'm surprised after, you know, that incident that, you know, ignoring double waved yellows isn't a disqualification now.
2: Like, it probably should be, in all fairness. Like, because that is just so dangerous. Like,. Man, like, I, I would not have a problem if that was a DQ. I'd be totally okay with that. And the same way that I uh, was, for those guys that are going to comment on this being snipey, like, I, it's the exact same I said with Seb if he, if he got dq for ramming into Lewis, I would have I completely understood the decision. It, it's, you just can't do shit like that. And, yeah, I, I, I like, I find it amazing that and like, like was completely oblivious to this on the team radio when he found out he was getting a 10-second stop and go, and it was like, Kimmy you drove past the car at full
3: speed like because because right. they because the thing is that the culture in Formula one that they were so used to this so, so by the point that they actually started enforcing it they're like what why am I getting penalized for doing something that I've always done
2: yeah it's a very good point yeah I, was like, I think it was Sergio Perez that talked about it after the Jules incident in in Japan in 2014 where it was just like he said listen drivers are always going to take liberties like this and and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right, Sergio, which is why they should clamp down on shit like this. And I'm glad that the FIA is starting to do that now because what Riker did was awful.
3: Yeah, because I, I know this is like a completely different scenario, but you get this all the time. Anytime you watch the NBA where, you know, they don't really call traveling because no. it would slow the game down tremendously. Right. It's the same situation where the FIA never really called out people for double-waved yellows because it would... it. It would make the races less entertaining. Yeah.
2: yeah basically it basically took Räikkönen completely out of play until the safety car, the second safety car, came out later in the race. Um, which led to Räikkönen getting done up by Daniel Ricciardo again. So, uh, you know, that was always fun. Speaking of which, it's, st- it's still
1: more Centennial Cup points for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shut your damn mouth, RJ. <laughs> you get to humble brag later. <laughs> Speaking of which, Red Bull Racing itself—bit of a mixed bag this weekend. Just we'll a bit.
3: Just a bit. Just
2: a bit. Um, <laughs> Max Verstappen, first of all, who, by the way, had the most glorious special helmet design for this weekend. I loved the the. Oh, it
1: was wonderful.
2: I was. I, I loved the 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 glossy orange helmet that he had for this weekend. That should be his permanent race helmet. so the boring, like purple Red Bull, like slapped on. Matte purple Red Bull logo on the side. Make that your yeah. full time helmet, Max, because that was fucking awesome. Um
1: I mean, yeah. shoot, they got like a Red Bull Orange edition. They yeah. can back <laughs> at that.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's like one of that's one of the things that I don't like about the new era of driver helmets. Just to go on a bit of a tangent. But go on, Katie, so yours. But but like when drivers decide to get like team colored helmets, which like in effect is gonna be the same color as the car that they're driving. Like so, some some drivers pull it off well. Like I like Kevin Magnuson's Haas helmet. Yes. Jensen Button had his, you know, G P helmet. That was that good. was very nice. But it's like like inherently it kind of defeats the purpose of having your own helmet design. It's going to be the same color as a car. He's like Daniel Ricciardo. always kiddo. had
2: like really nice helmets, and he's like, Daniel's this year. He's got the enormous like matte purple Red Bull logo all over the side of it, and it's like it ruins it. I've never been a fan of that. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, King. To be fair, like on brand helmets is not is, is no is not good. I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not the old school head that says that drivers like. Have to change helmets. Listen, I'm a Sebastian fucking Vettel fan. How can I ever say <laughs> drivers, have to st- drivers have to stick with the same helmet design every week? Because I'm not that guy. Like, um, but I do get what some of the old heads say about the helmet basically being like a signature for a driver. So I, I get that. I totally understand that po- that point of thinking. And yeah, like having a fully branded like team color helmet is just so boring, and it's just it, it's a it's a wasted opportunity. So for Max breaking out the burnt orange. Very nice. Um, his race not so nice. Um, as it turns out, that uh, Max Verstappen suffered his sixth DNF in twelve races so far this season. And for those that are keeping score at home, um, Max has as many DNFs now as Daniel Ricciardo has podium finishes this year. And uh, of those six Max DNFs, five of them were not his own doing, which is. Uh, no matter which way you slice it, it is insanely unlucky. Um, King, like if you're Max Verstappen, how much frustrated must you be? Even more so when Daniel <sighs> Ricciardo is crushing it this season.
3: <laughs> that is like Mark Webber levels of
1: frustration. <laughs> You know, the the irony, of course, that the minute that Mats Verstappen went up, we were all thinking that, well, Ricardo's going to be shuffled down <laughs> to set the fiddle for golden boy Mats Verstappen. And now we're just pulling a hard 1A and be like, Skirt! No, why is Mats Verstappen getting the second lackey treatment? He should be better than Daniel Ricardo." It's, it's like, the guy you build uh, your team around.
2: Because it's like on on sheer pace and from what I've seen of them on track this year, I think Max is actually a little bit faster than Daniel right now. And it's just... He he's is? Not had, yeah, I think he is faster than Daniel. I think like Max has improved now to the point where I think he might be a better all-rounder than Daniel Ricardo, And like, that's not a light sentiment because we all rate Daniel Ricardo like as a top three driver in the field right now. Like Ricardo is a fantastic friggin' driver, and Max, I think, is outdoing him right now. It's just...
1: And we are, and of course, we are the quote-unquote um, Max Verstappen bashers <laughs> yes. on the internet. We're the, Verstappen the people that just hate his guts.
2: Like, we're all, like, we, yes. None of us really like him all that much, but at the same time, it's like we all could appreciate the fact that Max is killing it right now, but it's just... But he hasn't got the results to so, show for so, so. it, and it's awful, because we are robbing the field of one of the most entertaining guys in the field is not being able to drive the car right now and like as i said ricardo has had all the blessings in the world this year with again six podium finishes this season including that race win in baku um one that was just not on the table at all for him under normal circumstances but that's daniel ricardo for you always in the right place at the right time and get to be fair he was outstanding on that restart at the end of the race to quickly find ways around raikin and val to get into that third podium spot and was able to hold on to it um another brilliant daniel ricardo performance by by any measure but it's like once again max was seeing it from the sidelines i mean like i said I think at is
1: at what was effectively his home race too
2: yeah, yeah. like Ninety thousand fans in there, the majority of them wearing orange. just like, wait, hey, KTM's turned out in force. Uh, <laughs> but um but uh yeah. Golly, they
1: they love Raymond Van Varnabel in Belgium.
2: Yeah, they <laughs> really do. Barney's got those fans out there, but uh yeah, it's This is
1: this is why my this is why Matt should have worn Lime Green.
2: Yeah. Luck of the Irish. Maybe maybe going down that road instead. Because, like, if you look at the pictures, if you look at the Kemmel Strait, a sea of orange down the Kemmel Strait. It was ridiculous. The grandstands
3: absolutely loaded in orange. And, yeah, um, like, uh, Formula One themselves estimated the attendance to be 265,000 people. Jesus wow.
2: Christ! Wow. That is utterly insane. Like, yeah. like the, the Belgians have been gripped with, uh, with, with Max Fever. That is...
3: Yep. It's that the most ever, ever for a Belgian Grand Prix? Like, that, that is... is that... I don't know if it's the most ever for a Belgian Grand Prix. It most likely is, because I think, like, this year's race is definitely the most attended race on the calendar, beating Britain for, like, the first time in, like, forever.
2: Yes! Get in there, Belgian! <laughs> I love Belgium, so I'm glad it's, it's it's pounding the UK. Like, suck it, British Racing Drivers Club. Um... But... <laughs>
3: Beaten down, but um, yeah, yeah, dry, dry, just calm down because people, people don't like people talking about Brussels beating down on Britain. Independence. <laughs> <laughs> nice political joke from the
2: political science major there, King. Well played, well played. Good game, good game. <laughs> well played, to her, well played. But um, yeah, okay, it's a, it's a shame, like gutting for the for the home fans. That um it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where. Oh, unlucky for Max on that one. Uh, yet again, again, fifty uh, percent DNF races. DNF rate is insane. Like I don't think even Fernando's got that high A DNF rate. Jesus. Um, speaking of which, um finish this <laughs> <he not> <laughs> race? Eva. That's right, no. Fernando Alonso. How did you guess? Um, another DNF from Fernando. Which I mean, let me just quickly Wikipedia how many he's had this season. Quick, talk amongst yourselves. Are, are, we, ca-
1: are we counting Indianapolis? <laughs> <Are we kidding? laughs> like yes, no, uh, i think we should
2: about him. But, um,
3: i i think we should because we know that one was not self-imposed
2: <laughs> that was that was fernando alonso's one two three four five his fifth dnf this year sick if you want to include the dns he did not start at russia so again he's also on six out of 12 races he has not finished this season Although technically it's actually six out of eleven because he never took he never took part in Monaco, so he's actually got a worse DNF rate than Max Verstappen does at six out of eleven compared to six out of twelve. The more you know. But uh, yeah, Fernando, another DNF, and um, well, it, this is like the straw that broke the camel's back for me on this one because it's like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is like
2: I saw, I, I saw. I saw the usual range of tweets when Alonso's getting curb stomped down the back of the kerb, straight by people, because Alonso had one of his amazing starts, where he was up to seventh place by the end of the opening lap, and then quickly he was dealt with <laughs> with the more powerful cars behind him, like Grosjean and and, and Magnussen and whatnot, and the that obviously in a much better Ferrari power unit, and then Fernando was like, "No more lady off for the rest
3: of the race." <laughs> it's
2: like, it was like, "Oh my god!" Oh. It's like Fernando's you, in one of He tried those to games. go for the cut.
3: <laughs> He tried to go for the Cody's move, but it didn't work out. Get the good start. Try to keep everyone behind you. Didn't work.
2: He gave gave him the full not now Jeff, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, oh dear. Um, Not only did Alonso shut his radio off, he did bring it back later on in the Grand Prix. And again, I I, I want to take credit for this one. I've got to give credit to the Formula One subreddit. Hey guys. Um, Still hate us. Um, You know, hope you don't. But, uh, yeah, the Formula 1 subreddit came out with some interesting Alonso radio quotes after the race. I think it was about it was about five laps or so to go or something like that where Alonso asked, "Is there rain coming?" and like McLaren said, "No, there's no rain on the radar." And then a minute later he goes, "Engine problem." <laughs> and then it was like and then like <sighs> oh, McLaren's like, "Okay, box to retire the car." And then Honda about 2 hours later said there was nothing wrong with the power unit. Honda was oh God, like, "Oh, they like are RPG- not doing it." Like, like if this is like revenge from Honda for all the times Alonso's ragged about their engine, just like, no no, "No, no, 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 we've had
3: enough of this shit." Yeah, <laughs> like, no- like, do do we not remember early in the season when he did the exact same thing, and before the race, he even called this shot, saying, "If I'm not in the points, I'm not gonna finish the race."
2: <laughs> and like we 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 all best. just like we're all surprisingly okay with this. It's just like. If this was any other guy, we'd be curb stomping him right now for being unprofessional or for being a quitter. But because it's Fernando Alonso, and because people have, because he's done such a brilliant job of digging himself into this hole, it's like we all just feel sorry for him now. And I've had enough of it, King. I've had enough of the sympathy brigade on Fernando Alonso. Like the man knows exactly what he's doing. Like, yeah. Like yeah, this on, is
1: it's the it's the best part
3: about it. It's, it's like it's it's almost like he's the John Cena of Formula 1
2: He is! It's like <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do everything in my power to play up to the crowd on every given I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the hungry park Ferme with a deck chair, copying his own memes, which he fully embraced when he released his own mobile emoji app. Uh, you know, he's he's gone into the crowd after Canada. He's gone into the grandstands to kiss up to them. All us fans are like, look at Alonso. Look at him. He's such a great guy. He's interacting with the fans. What a guy. Nando gets it. And shout out to Helena for milking that cow dry. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, like, I see through you, Fernando. I see, you. <laughs>
3: see through you. <laughs>
2: like, I know your game like I've had enough of your shit Fernando where you're being like the shameless kiss up to the crowd but you're actually just doing it to hide your complete unprofessionalism like oh yeah I'm gonna park this car because I can't score points I'm gonna take my ball and go home I'm gonna complain about Honda at every given opportunity yet we call Pascal Verline the princess of the paddock what is this what is this nonsense like you like I find it amazing that we have given Fernando such a leash for a guy that has not won a world championship in 11 years. That A guy that has no career foresight, no political nous, overpays the crap out of his clearly shitty agent, and he wants to sit there and tell us that he's this innocent victim in all of this, when he's clearly walked through a minefield knowing what he was going to do, and then we applaud and feel sorry for him when his leg gets blown off. No! I'm tired of this, King! I'm tired of this shit! I don't <laughs> you're, you're, want
3: this alone! You're, <laughs> you're tired of Fernando having the political prowess of a puppy. Like, again, like, he literally has the. Like, puppy doesn't know what to do, but everyone loves puppy because puppy's adorable!
0: <laughs> That's exactly it! Uh,
1: it's They're like good s- dogs, <laughs> Dre!
3: They're good dogs, Dre! <laughs>
2: Yes, 12 out of 10. Must ignore top seat again. Oh, shit. No, no. I've had enough of this. The, like The man's I like, haven't. oh, no. How do we get him out of Honda? You turned down the Mercedes seat.
3: <laughs> you chose to be.
2: You chose to be there. Why should we feel admittedly, sorry for you?
3: Ad- admittedly, you chose to be there after, like, burning down Ferrari and walking. out. <laughs>
1: Can I say, you know, McLaren Honda, you know, all all the titles they won. It it was pretty much a guarantee that that stuff would happen again.
3: Yep. Yeah. The the team (sighs) of the 1980s was definitely going to be the team of the
1: 2010s. It was just, it was (laughs) destined. And once you paint the car orange, I mean, my God, that's just like guaranteeing like a minimum eight Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Eight Pete? Like. (laughs)
2: I despair. I just. Uh, come home like, to America, buddy. It's like. Alonso, please go to IndyCar. Or at least you'll have a bit more fun. Where you don't have to pretend to play this shitty political game with the fans. Like.
1: Come like, to Alabama. Come to, come to see my home race. <laughs> Do it.
2: Like, like honestly, like, I am fully on board the just get Alonso into IndyCar wagon. Now I'm getting sick of this shit. Like, like. Because, like, he's he's got the fans on a fucking string at this point and like they're all they're, they're balls deep in let's feel sorry for Fernando guy when he's 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 backed himself into this corner and now he hasn't got the political prowess to get out of it and now we're all meant to applaud him like he's some sort of top driver which he is undisputedly he is but he
3: yes, yes. Pop, puppy is definitely adorable like everyone loves puppy it's, like, it's without a doubt, but he just keeps peeing on the rug. It's, it's, <laughs> he keeps humping the
2: postman's leg. It's one of those things where it's just like, it's like Steph Curry in the NBA, where it's like he was a superstar, but we were always like kind of afraid to really criticize Steph Curry when he choked away the finals in 2016, because it was like, well, Steph Curry's adorable. Like we can't criticize him, and it's the same. Whoa, 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 it whoa, would mean whoa, whoa, it whoa. would be
1: we're spending less time criticizing LeBron James unfairly. Or less
3: time criticizing, you know, the the NBA's, you know, regular season schedule, which, you know, for some reason, the Golden State Warriors felt like they had to, you know, get the all-time wins record to, you know, feel important. Then, you know, none of the guys Sixty-seven point
1: five. Sixty-seven point five. Dre <laughs> over or under. Over. Let's uh, talk about Ferrari.
2: I, 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 I yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Side, note, side note. Take the over on Golden State they're actually better than last year which is actually terrifying. Um yeah, uh let's talk about Ferrari a little bit more. Like again, not a bad weekend really second and fit second and fourth for the ferraris there which is about the which is about the past score for Ferrari this season really. Um yeah. but uh Yep, get your fan fictions out, get your ice cream memes at the ready, and talk about Frozen because Kimmy Riker is back for next season! Hey! Yes, and the crowd He's goes wild. <laughs> yes,
1: uh, yeah. um, so hand it to Scuderia Ferrari for just being like, "Fuck you, young talent." <laughs> Not yet. I,
3: I don't know. Part part of me like. I don't want to offend Dre here, but part of me is like, maybe Sebastian Vettel was afraid of ha- of even the possibility of having Charles Leclerc as a teammate.
2: Say that again. Or Matt perspective. I will fly over there, King, and fight you on the other side of the streets.
3: <laughs> I'm not saying having having the Ferrari's chosen son as your teammate. How dare you make such accusations
2: of cowardice? <laughs> I will f- challenge you via trial by combat, King. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, like Ferrari, like, like all I say in response to this is, "Hello, Internet. Sorry, your city seasons in another castle. Um,
3: not it's this. in America.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's in America. More on that later. But uh, not here, folks. Not here." Because, yeah, it's looking like pretty much all the top six is going to get retained. I think I think Mercedes are waiting on the Valtteri Bottas extension, but I think that's imminent, so to speak. Um, but Ferrari announced that both their guys are being re-signed. Raikkonen signs a new one-year extension. And then a couple of days later, I think it was during Friday practice, just after Friday practice, two um, it came up through the grapevine that uh, Sebastian Vettel had signed a new three-year extension, keeping him in with the team until the end of 2020. So, uh, yeah, I guess, right? Kinda, sorta,
1: right? Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, lo- you gotta draft, a build, round, long-term. You got, you got that security of having your lead driver there, and of course, you have. Uh, the, the very long-term security of the rolling one-year deal for Kimmy Raikkonen. The Mark Webber was- extension. Just give him a bunch of one-year contracts till the wheels fall off. Nah, no, uh, I think I, I
3: think for some reason I feel like next year is going to be the last year. Now that they have Vettel locked down for three years, they're like, Kimmy's not going to be around for three more years. We could just have yeah.
1: one year. Yeah, we said that. What just... well, we said that last year, and before that, and the
2: very first Motorsport 101 highlight we ever made was based on the 2014 season. We were having this exact same conversation <laughs> about Raikkonen signing a one-year extension. Oh, okay. we're not Do you doing, think doing this Kimmy Raikkonen
1: still going to be. You think he's still going to be at Ferrari when he's fifty?
2: <laughs> uh, uh, RJ, I'll offer you five. To nah, go he's, he's, he's going to be on. Kimmy
1: Raikkonen is going to last at Ferrari longer than Sebastian Vettel. I'm calling my shot.
3: Yeah, Kimmy, Kimmy's going to be on the Ferrari Formula E team until he's like sixty. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, but we're not ready to debut our young 40-year-old Antonio Giovinazzi yet. We're we're sorry. Oh my god. God. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm beating the old drum here, but at least in my corner, I've said it before and I will say it again, like, I don't think there's anybody in that midfield that could really be a, a lock that is guaranteed to be better than Kimi. Which is a shame because, you know, we as fans, we get excited over seeing young talent in top seats. We, uh, we, we've been a bit spoilt for that in recent times. with Guys like Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel, you know, Felipe Massa to a lesser degree back in 2006, I think it was. Um, five or six, not 100% sure on that one. I'm, I'm terrible with years. But anyway, like I said, like we, we've been Hamilton. a bit spoilt... Yeah, Samson, of course. I was, I was I about Lewis there. Geez, that's a big one. How did I miss that? But um, <laughs> yeah, like, we get the deal. We've been spoilt for young drivers getting these enormous opportunities pretty early on. But Kimi is still good-ish, you know. Sadly, I think I think a lot of this is down to philosophy for me, right? Like, like Merks are okay with having two number one level drivers. Like we saw it with Nico. Ross. like we'll pad any PR drama. As long as they win every race, which is what they pretty much did. So, like, it didn't really matter and, like if they didn't get along because the car was good enough to win everything pretty much anyway. But, you know, Ferrari have always been the one-two punch. And, you know, Raikkonen is a solid number two. They don't need to replace him because he's good at his role. and Raikkonen's But already- I,
3: I, I disagree on one thing where... It didn't have to be Kimi as number two, like they could have gotten Antonio Giovinazzi in as number two, and but it was pretty clear in the press that Vettel was not going to sign a new sign extension unless they had Kimi.
2: Yeah, I think I think that the the talk in the paddock was that Vettel was not going to re-sign unless Kimi was 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 tied down first, which is interesting because I know he was also. Um, uh, f- f- I think it was. He was he, like apparently like. There's two different stories coming out of the Mercs camp. Surprise, surprise. Um, that you know, Toto Wolf said that you know, no, we didn't talk to Seb at all. Nicky Lauda was like, we did talk to Seb only briefly because he was basically using this to get a new extension. He went full Sergio Ramos up in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, like he basically just used Mercs to, get to add a couple of extra millions to that signing bonus, um, basically. But makes you sense. Know, Makes sense, like he basically just used Merckx's leverage, basically, and yeah, he said straight up, I was like, yeah, we did try and sign him, and Nicky, like, he was like, yeah, we probably gonna get Seb, and Toto was like, no, we didn't, what are you talking about? <laughs> Once again, Toto Wolf, and Nicky Lauda not on the same page, what
3: a surprise. Yeah, because I, I think, like, Lauda and Seb, they have a history, because before Lauda went to Mercedes, you. Lada was, you know, pretty much working for Red Bull, because Red Bull being an Austrian team, he's, yeah, you know, one of their most notable Austrian drivers, so he has a relationship with Seb. So, of course, maybe the topic conversation came up, hey, want to come over in Mercedes?
2: Yeah, and Seb was quickly like, nah, not really. Uh, I, yeah. like, uh, I like it here. Uh, it's Kushti it's and Marinello, but, uh, yes. yeah, three-year deal, happy stuff. Moscow's for everybody, and, uh, yeah. Yeah get your fan fiction out because the married couple of Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Räikkönen will be around for at least one more year <laughs>
3: <laughs> the yeah. king of spa will return
2: the king of spa will return your city season is in another castle and let's let's have these big rumors about 2018 city season next year like I, I basically call Kimi Räikkönen the, the Danny Pedrosa reform 101 at this point because this comes up every year it's like will this be the year they replace Danny Pedrosa? no <laughs> Every time Pedrosa's contract comes up, it's like, ooh, who could we get on that second Honda alongside Mark Marquez? And it's There's like, still oh.
1: plenty of time to fabricate a story that Mercedes aren't happy with Valtteri Bottas and just kind of stretch it out for just a couple weeks.
2: Couple no, RJ. Oh, like, like, they, they've done nothing but blow smoke up his ass for the last three months about how he's a better team player than Rosberg was. The chemistry in the <laughs> is better than it ever was before. It's a no-brainer. This is clearly it why. It's out. clearly
1: why they want Matt Verstappen. It's clearly why they want Matt Verstappen. Yes, they do.
3: They need. They need a threat to push Lewis to the edge. Like,
2: but King, the chemistry, the team chemistry, is so important. Was, the you know, team chemistry because one
3: guy doesn't win as much.
2: Exactly because Val was willing to give up his third place as long as Lewis gave it back. Like, I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned, I mentioned this during Hungary was like, this was like the perfect golden goose for Merckx to put their nuts on the table to say, oh yeah, our chemistry's amazing. A- ignoring like the previous four years of history of terrible relations between Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, ignorance of team orders, fallouts in the camp, threatens of drivers getting cut. Nico Rosberg suddenly retiring and I'm 110 percent sure that the chemistry of Lewis was part of the problem that causes early retirement. But
3: let's not talk about that. Yay, teamwork! <laughs> For some <laughs> reason, like I just picture Lewis Hamilton just just walking into like any just debrief Monday morning pour like a champagne into his driver's championship trophy, just swings it down, smashes on the table and just says, I'm the champ that
1: runs this camp. (laughs) Uh, I, I I would approve of this. Yes. I, I would do that all the time uh, if, I, I if I was an F1 like, driver that would be me
2: Like, I just want like 10% of Nico Rosberg's wardrobe Let alone the driver's challenge trophy that he's got at home Like that would be a bonus for me But uh,
1: If I w- if I was a pay driver that nobody liked that would just be throwing $100 bills everywhere in the press room <laughs> On Thursday
3: You're like oh, You didn't like me when I got signed But you're going to like me by the time the season's over <laughs>
2: Uh, it's like like Vic in the chat just goes. So when's Val and Lewis's wedding then? <laughs> mm. Some, sometime in December when Lewis wins his fourth championship. Apparently I've been invited as like maid of honor. It's gonna be great. I'm just gonna just, I'm just gonna super kick Lewis Hamilton down the stairs when it's all said and done. <laughs> just because I can. Quite frankly. Then the internet's um, just gonna
3: be shocked when Val is like, I don't actually like Lewis. I'm only doing this so I can get a you know a nice car.
2: Yeah, but like, you know, the, the Mercedes Company car. Wanna get wanna get on
1: his insurance? Wanna get his
2: insurance. Oh dear, that's that, that's some fun stuff right there. Um yeah, like let's talk a little bit about Formula Two.
3: Woo! Yay! <sighs> <sighs> Formula <laughs> two the NXT of Grand Prix Racing. <laughs> Uh, the not quite
2: what it used to be, because there's, like, one really good person in there. Shout out to Asuka. Uh, close brackets. But, uh, like, everybody else is just like, oh, okay. Just, just, like, a bunch of dudes in here. It's like one guy and a bunch of dudes.
3: But, um, King. My boy. My number one pick. You know one <laughs> Not only your number one pick got disqualified, the guy that you paid so much money for not to even start has the crash of a lifetime.
2: Like, we have to talk about this. Like, Charles Leclerc absolutely obliterated the Formula 2 field. There is... There, like, there is like, there is such a thing as a super beat him down. As Charles Leclerc was pretty much a second lap faster than everybody else in in Formula 2's feature race around Spa over Oliver Oliver, Oliver Roland and and Markelov that on the road finished second and third respectively. But like, that was an unbelievable performance from Charles Leclerc. Like, he keeps finding new ways to just like impressed and wowed the
1: racing world. <laughs> he gets like, better as the cars he drives get faster. Like, he yeah. went from being pretty good in, like, Formula Renault, Euro Cup and Formula 3 to being a champion his first year in GP3 to, oh my god, he's going to break every Formula 2 record.
2: Yeah. yeah. He's, like, he's too he's scary ridiculous. fast. He, he is stupid quick. Is it, the, the word I used to him? because again, like I said, he was, he was basically a second of that quicker. That is just insane. And, like, again, Oliver Rowland is not a scrub. He is a very good driver by every measure. Probably should be in Formula One next year, but most likely won't. But, you know, that's, like, him and Thanks, Markleff, like, him and Markulloff are not idiots. They are great drivers. They were very fast in their own right, and he's completely curb-stopped them. It was just insane. Until he got disqualified. <laughs> I
3: was yes. like, oh. Yes. Both like, Leclerc and Oliver Rowland got disqualified for the same reason their skins were worn out too much, so when they get measured that was below the limit, both of them tossed out.
1: See see kids, this is why you don't jack up the ride height when you set your car up in video games. That can happen.
2: <laughs> you yeah, never yes. know when post race scrutineering might come and bite you in the arse. That's one for F1 twenty eighteen right now, clearly. Um, but Yes, like I found this out like 11:30 at night when I came in from work on Saturday, and I literally screamed out, "God fucking damn it!" (laughs) And that was literally my words. I, I, I just, ugh. I just read the tweet and I was like, "You despair." I, I, I was, I was just distraught (laughs) at the news because for those guys that haven't seen the Centennial Cup my number one pick was charles the clerk and my strategy going in was get charles the clerk at all costs um i i, I would not lose that auction no matter how much of my budget i was going to pay no, rule number one get charles the clerk at any means necessary
1: yeah and, that turned out to be a bargain over the next few rounds yeah
2: until he gets disqualified. because then we, the went, for we,
1: went, we went we, we went high wild
2: listen to that episode, if you haven't seen the cup already, it's a, it's a great time. But, um... <laughs> it wasn't an unmitigated two po- two disaster. Podiums, two obviously...
1: podiums for Luca Giotto, What can I say? <laughs>
2: <laughs> shut up, RJ. Shut up. Just shut up, alright? Like, listen, it wasn't an unmitigated disaster, because Artem Markalov was inherited with the win, so it wasn't a complete disaster. We got good points. It's just damn it man you had a card that
3: scored the minimum amount sigh
2: <laughs> so I... yeah so that was fun anyone who has been racing king I think it was a first time winner and a free
3: agent yes a free agent the boy from Brazil Sergio set a camera
1: doo 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 <laughs> doo doo doo, doo.
3: Uh, yeah. just be- yeah,
1: because of who? course right yeah, he didn't score a point going into the second half of the season. He came away with a sits in the feature and a win in the sprint. Yeah. And who, who picked him up in the draft for no money? Nobody! At all? <laughs> Nobody picked him up! No one. Oh. Damn.
3: Damn. <laughs> he was like I, like, I bet he just, like, he was just listening to that episode on repeat.
1: They didn't pick me. They didn't pick me. <laughs> You know it's ba- you know it's bad when uh when Sean Galea was getting picked ahead of you. I'm sorry. That's future Scuderia Toro Rosso test drivers <laughs> guy, Sean Galeo. Money back. Do himself. you
2: see Buxton's tweet? <laughs> what did he say? I missed it.
3: Oh, I need to find this. Cause it was the way he punctuated in everything with currency.
2: <laughs> oh god no. That seems yes. that, that sounds extremely well Buxton.
3: Oh, God. It was it was peak Buxton. But yeah, continue. I'll find it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just... So a free agent stole, stole the glory in the sprint race. Charles Leclerc gets DQ'd, and I end up raging through my bedroom window, so half the street can hear me. Um, it was a good weekend. It really was. Um... <laughs>
1: and this was before Nobhar Matsushita just completely wiped out at a Rouge. Glad to hear that he's all right, because Jesus, that was bad.
2: It was a bad one. It was... It wasn't as damaged as a damage to my broken heart, but um, as I paid seven hundred and seventy-five for him, what a bastard! But uh...
3: <laughs> it's not like you're gonna score any points with him anyway.
2: Shut up, King! for <laughs> <I'm laughs> your logic right now, okay? <laughs> Let me grieve in peace. Oh, jeez, it, it, it wasn't pretty to say the least. King, have you found that tweet yet?
3: No, I haven't. It is I can only pad for Bu- so long.
2: <laughs> We're professionals here, cont- you know.
3: Just continue. We'll find it later. Like Lewis we'll cut Buxton this out. Tw- <laughs> Buxton <laughs> tweets more than I thought he would.
1: I mean, same. To oh, fair, I think he deleted I've it. <laughs>
2: like over a quarter of a million times, so I can't talk in this department. I have you guys beat. <laughs> Top Trumps, motherfucker. <laughs> But uh, while King searches up some creative tweets we'll move some stuff into the new section, we'll take a brief breather and we'll come back to talk about IndyCar and the Gateway 500. Gateway 500. Turns out King did find that tweet in the end. As I, I click the link on it right now, and it's like, I like he tweets at Joey, of, at Joey of the Prius. I think he has serious potential. And every S and E has been replaced with the euro sign and a dollar sign. I just, <laughs> oh boy, like Buxton, that's naughty. Mm. <laughs>
1: Okay. Naughty, naughty <laughs> now I, I do want I do want to just say that this is missing some uh, ru- rubles, uh, whatever the Russian currency is. I think could have squeezed that in. Um,
2: are we are we criticizing Boston for lack currency. of creativity here?
3: Yeah, there there's missed opportunities.
2: Good man. It's, right. I, we, 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 yeah, we, we call it, we call them
1: opportunities, not shortcomings.
2: Yes, <laughs> we'll go with that. We're, we're nice like that right go on rj get your humble brag out of the way
1: st louis hey um so in, in related news to uh recent sporting events a uh, a nashville native went into st louis and completely obliterated the field um, surprising <laughs> nobody
3: Ooh, shades of the spring shades of the spring
1: oh, happier times Let's talk about this Gateway 500. It was a trip. That front grand scan was packed. They oh put, like, 40,000 yes. people in. Yeah. I don't know how many of those were, like, comp tickets, but dog. Oh,
0: that yeah, that's a packed
1: house. At, at a first-time venue that hasn't seen a race in 15 years, that didn't really have a much of a reputation for being a great racetrack.
3: Yeah, because I know... Yeah, cup and like cup, and then nationwide, like they dumped Gateway a while back. I mean, it, it wasn't expected that they'd see big time racing again. Right, and despite yes, that, yes, this
1: could have easily become like Mitt's development property, which will probably happen to the Milwaukee miles sooner rather than later. Oh, oh no! Which is
2: actually quite amazing because I know. That... Yeah, go
3: yeah, because I know uh, the Syracuse Mile, which is our Mile State Fairgrounds track in New York. That's gone now. Like that's been demolished. Is it a parking lot yeah. now?
1: LA just turned theirs into a. LA just turned theirs into a football station for two mediocre teams.
2: Yeah, yeah, delightful. Um, it's it's, it's excited for some football. Anyway. Yeah, it's like I have to say, like the atmosphere around Gateway was fantastic. I mean, you could tell all the drivers were feeding off of it. Like that, you could see, that, you know, oh god, they got forty thousand people in here.
3: Fontana, it is not, um, so to speak. Oh my god. Well, one thing that I was disappointed about, small little thing, it's like, oh, I thought it was like, oh, it's five hundred miles. I'll have enough time to get home from work before it's over. I was wrong. It is not five. The race was not five hundred miles. It was five hundred kilometers. Oh. They went metric. No. Oh. They went metric so they could have five hundred in the title. I beside like besides that little
1: issue, I don't really care.
3: Ooh, <laughs> so the, how un American big,
1: big It's those Big Ten fans from the Midwest yeah. and their <laughs> smarts and their academics.
3: academics. But, no, uh, no, this is this is this is St. Louis, this is Missoula. this is the SEC territory. <laughs> Meanwhile
2: Sounds fake but
1: okay guy, <laughs> <Sounds> yeah,
3: <big. laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Meanwhile the
2: other St. Louis guy Joseph goddamn Newgarden Has won Another one uh, <laughs> Yeah, You can't see it but RJ is currently Fist bumping as we speak Because it's like oh no like Joseph's actually in control of the championship now
1: you know what, you know what, i I'll, honestly, I was, uh, I was actually covering something that we'll talk about later on in this episode, uh, I just had to check back on it every now and then, cause I had it on the TV in the background, and all of a sudden I look over like, just what? Hell yeah! <laughs> Shit, it's late! Ooh, you smug yes.
2: <laughs>
3: git! And man, that, that was, a lot of people had fears because it's, like, it's one and a half miles, but technically it's a short track. And right. people were nervous that the racing was not going to be good.
2: It was pretty good.
3: Yeah, it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, it uh, it certainly got off to the most interesting of starts.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: <willpower. laughs> or non starts.
2: <laughs> willpower, pretty hold on, much Hold up, can-
3: hold up. No, no, before that. Go on, go on. Hold
2: oh, up, okay, yeah, I'll because I was I'll about to say. It.
0: It's
2: like, go look out I you take it? <laughs>
3: We're not going to talk about uh, Tony Kanon just losing it on the warm-up lap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. Um, yeah, losing it on the warm-up lap had to go in. I think like having to get in and have the car fixed up immediately, apparently Chip was seething was with rage at this. Um, so that was fun. And then when the race actually got started, on the opening lap, like willpower pretty much spins out on some... Apparently, the word on the street is there was firework residue on the circuit in the early goings of the race, which yes. which caused power to spin out and then caused Ed Carpenter to play a very creative game of piggyback um, in the rear side wall. Oh. Um, yeah, scary one, this. Um. Like even Jack Nichols, who was watching the clip, who is the stout, like unhalo guy, was like, "Okay, please tell me that why we shouldn't have a halo." After showing that incident, where basically Carpenter is right in the front of Powell's car, and is very lucky not to not to be basically like have his rear wing in his face, um,
3: almost gave Will Power the worst rear view of all time. <laughs> oh
2: man. Um, it was a scary it was an awful accident it was a, um, a power spins out Carpenter gets caught Sato gets collected and that was pretty much right off the start of, of the race there like, I think it was five laps or so in so uh, yeah power Carpenter and Sato were the, were the three early casualties some good dicing in the midfield early on but uh, yeah you got, I, I got told in the box score that his average position over the course of the race was 1.4 1.4 <laughs> 4. oh my god Okay. <laughs> so in other words, he wasn't not in first place for very long. It was a 248-lap race. Newgarden led 170 of those laps. He almost went full Ira up in here um, until the end, where Dixon was slowly reeling him in a towards the end of the race. But uh, I mean, King, a critical second place of Scott Dixon in the grand scheme of things, given. You know the championship lead is just starting to drift away from him a little bit now, and uh, a very critical second. There's
3: 150 points left on the table, so he needs to be as close as possible. So so in Sonoma, he has you know a legit shot of not having to win the race to win the championship.
2: Yeah, that's a pretty nice position to be in now, New Garden with a 31-point lead now on Scott Dixon. More on that in a minute, but uh, a critical second for Scott Dixon, who's not had the best run of form lately, but uh, a critical second, just narrowly beating Simon Pagano for third, who, well, wasn't best pleased with how Nugent took that lead position off him.
1: Um
2: If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to find the clip on IndyCar's
3: Twitter and social media. It's, probably
2: oh, it's old.
1: a breath! It's a breathtaking maneuver. Yeah, it's just
3: like like if if you don't find it when the race replay goes up, just go thirty two laps ago and just watch the race from there.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And um, the best advice, like, probably look for the Firestone winning move video. Might be a better place to go actually because they, they they do like the top three passes of the race pretty much on 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 their own YouTube channel. You'll most likely find it there, but uh, it is a stunning pass into turn one where he just jams it down the inside of the oval, pretty much boxing Pagano out. And uh, it's an incredible; it is one of the passes of the year. And for me, I think it could be one of those title deciding flashpoints right there and then. I mean, we saw it last year when Pagano went round the outside of Willpower at Mid Ohio, and I thought, okay, like that is that is a gangster pass from Simon Pagano. And like willpower, he just held his hands up like, well, there was nothing I could do about that. It was just, <laughs> it was just a brilliant pass, and he was the first guy to congratulate Simon when he won that the race that day with two cracked, rib, two cracked ribs. Two ribs, worth pointing out as well. Um, or the year before, when do you remember King when Montoya took out willpower during the final round at Sonoma when they were trying yes. to climb through the field. And then Montoya pretty much ended both his and Will Power's pretty good chances of winning the title right there and then. So, we get these little title-deciding flashpoints uh, like throughout a year, and I think that might be the one for Joseph Newgarden. That was the first time I looked at Newgarden and I thought, oh boy. Like, okay, he really is title favourite now. Like, holy shit. <laughs> like, that was an astonishing, astonishing pass from Newgarden. And I said it on Twitter like that was a zero or hero pass like if he gets that wrong they're both in the wall and
3: we're having a very different <laughs> oh conversation as, um, as, as Simon Pagenaud pointed out <laughs> in the post race interview on NBC, where he said we're pretty much you know he, he's responding to, to Joseph saying that there was space for a pass there and well we'll get into that later but he basically says yeah there was space there but if that was anyone else we'd both be in the fence right now so
2: is Simon basically saying that he went easy on him because he's his teammate? Yeah, pretty
3: much. Yeah. Pretty much.
2: Yeah, boy. Like, like,
3: pretty pretty much. If he said if pretty much if anyone else tried that, they both would have been in the fence, and that is not good. Yeah, like
2: Simon did not take this one well. Um, said straight up, I've lost a level of respect for Joseph. Um, which is a shame because they've like. If anyone's watched their social media over the year, like those two have been very close with each other, like a lot of cool Pagano and newgon related pictures and social media and all that fun stuff. Bruh, I, they'll I, be I, fine. They'll be fine. They'll, they'll just be, like,
1: just like it. They'll have it. They'll have it out over some like three AM hop somewhere.
2: Most likely, I'm gonna try and find the video in question because somebody made a really really funny video about that. Like. Like playing some of the highlights of those two together with like the sound of silence playing in the background. <laughs> um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna it's, find it's,
1: it. It's the kind get, of it's kind of stuff that happens when you're fighting for a championship. Like, yeah, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get heated, especially after something, something like that. I
2: think yeah, they I'm both gonna,
1: know deep down what the stakes are here.
2: Indeed, and again, I, I just want to find it because I, I want to give the guy full credit. Um, give me a second here uh i will try to find it uh, god damn it I'm, t- I'm trying to find it through sarah's twitter and i, I can't quite get there me give me a sec elio castroneves
1: is still eligible um,
2: ah, click clip, of, of the pensky games Ooh. um t-uit. god damn it here oh, anyway, it's it's, it's jim that's the one um so shout out to jim for that one it's a it is a hilarious video um t-owned. <laughs> it is exactly as, as funny as you might think it is. Um, it's a gem. Go out of your way to see it. Um, yeah, nice one. She sent. She, said, she, said, she sent us a DM on Twitter finding that as well. So, well, thanks, Niall, much appreciated. But um, yeah, uh, it, it, it friggin hilarious stuff. But um, yeah, like woof, that might be a bit frosty. Um, and I love that. Like Indie Car put up an article saying, "Oh, you know." Is there is there trouble in paradise for Team Penske? Because very very <laughs> quietly, paradise. Penske has now won the last five races in a row, which they themselves I don't think have done since two thousand and twelve. I think it is. So
3: yeah, actually no. Uh the last team to do this was uh, Newman Haas and Champ Car. Wow, like, so Jesus, yeah. <laughs> so
2: like was that, that two thousand seven then?
3: Yeah, two thousand seven. <laughs>
2: Wow. So the first time in 10 years, a team has won five straight in IndyCar. I know it kind of helps when you've got four cars and you've got bloody willpower, Simon Pagano. Even Helio's chips chipped into the cause on this one, which he never does. <laughs> Helio can never win. That's the rules. <laughs> but Helio has won now, too. And now New Gardens add into that streak. So Penske has now won five straight as a result of this now, even if uh, maybe Simon Pagino isn't isn't. Kind of have Joseph at his Christmas dinner anymore with Hayley and Norman. Um, Oh dear. Okay, Um, yeah.
3: Last time, Newman Haas, 2005. Oh, Jesus. It's even worse. 12 years ago. That was. Yeah, it was Bourdais' second championship season.
2: Oh, like, is this. What a surprise. It's peak Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bourdais. Seb is back, y'all. Shout out to
1: Oh, yes.
3: Seb, Super John Cena, his way back.
2: Yeah, Sebastian Bourdais was back and a top 10 finish while leading five laps. What a hero. Sebastian Bourdais, back in IndyCar basically two rounds early. He was aiming to get back for Sonoma for the season finale. He came back two rounds before that at Gateway. What a guy. Um, yeah, coming he back came
1: from back that- from a broken damn hip. Yeah. In and a pelvis. a
2: pelvis. <laughs> Like how did he even pee properly? That that must just be just the worst thing. Like that sounds like a, the injury that's like it, it's like it, in functional terms it sounds even worse than what it actually is. Like oh. oh god, just like a hip is terrible. Like a pelvis sounds terrible. Like it's just oh. But uh, that was like a one hundred G, two hundred and thirty mile an hour wall smash, and he's come back in. Basically three months What a legend Yeah
3: like if, if he had that crash in 1987 and not 2017 he would not be alive
2: Yeah dead man walking And I don't say that as a joke he just is at that point Like holy shit um, Just a brilliant job there From from, Joe, from Seb to get, Not only just to come back but to get in the top 10 That is a phenomenal job from Seb Well done from him King Drama or CGR turns
3: out Chip's been benching his dudes kind of, sort of Yeah, there's this drama, drama all places, first let's get to the the race part where there was drama between Charlie Kimball and one AJ Foyt's counter daily
2: (laughs) (laughs) what was Kimball doing like, oh my god Kimball was like trying to burn one of his bridges for a potential seat in case his sponsor drops in from, from, from Chip this year. Like, Foyt is clearly off the table. Like, <laughs> like they, 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 I think it was Matt Arlecker that, that showed clips of like the gifs of what he was doing to the Foyt guys. And like, they, they cut to a picture of a, a gif of AJ Foyt just slamming his fist against the desk. Like, I'm going to fight this man. <laughs> yeah.
3: Because with with super text, like yeah, his fist may be going against the desk now, but that could be in your face later. <laughs> As we know in the history of AJ, forty has got no problem throwing them hands. Um, and
2: <laughs> he he might have done so um, if it wasn't for some restraint and maybe Connor Daly actually finishing in the top five. What a job from him, by the way.
1: Um, I'm sorry, uh, what? Connor Daly is, is fifth at yes. oval. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like on an oval, and he wasn't off strategy either. What? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what. Like, King, it's official. Like, like Danny Brennan has put this through as a legislation. He he no longer wants us to nickname Charlie Kimball slightly above average Kimball. He, he now wants us to nickname him Stateless Kimball after after an appeal from the Connedaily fan club. <laughs>
3: what do you say to this proposal? Yeah, because he's stateless and soon-to-be teamless. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I bang my gavel. I
2: I therefore approve this nickname change. Charlie Kimball will now be known as stateless Kimball. Congratulations, Brendan. You lucky man. Um, Kimball, what were you doing, you pillar? Like, he almost ran daily completely off the road. Block block shunting him. Like, I, I just ugh, awful stuff from yeah. Kimball.
3: And our like. other boy at Foyt. Carlos Munoz he finished ninth
2: Munoz yay Munoz
3: and quickly back to Ganassi things are not looking so so solid on the 2018 driver lineup only safe seat at the moment is Scott Dixon obviously and the team is pretty much focused around Scott Dixon so uh, they want Kimball back but it's unsure if he'll have sponsorship to run next year right uh and it's looking like both Tony Kanaan and Max Chilton will be leaving the team.
2: Yeah, it's looking that way. Um, boy, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll interlace this beautifully into our IndyCar series in segment in a minute. But, uh, yeah, like, like I think they, they, they tried to press on for questions about this, and then he just said, go ask Chip, while driving off in a hurry, which kind of said it all, really. It's like, like... Kanan looked done in that town he's now super done in this town by the sounds of it like apparently according to Tony himself he is now officially a free agent as of like Pocono so like Kanan's now actively looking for a job basically Um, and Chip very cryptically said on Twitter we only park a car if we feel like there is no chance of improving position
1: which is fun
2: Which is funny, because Kanan himself, didn't he finish second in Texas after coming back from two laps down? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And being uh, persona non grata after pretty much taking out a quarter of the field.
2: Yeah. Causing about three million bucks worth of IndyCar car damage. Yeah, he kept kept Kanan going, and look what happened. Podium finish at Texas from two laps down. Yeah. So...
3: Chip, and, not sure I'm buying that one.
2: Um, personally. And
3: in the other, in the other Ganassi camp, we did hear that team radio outburst from Max Chilton about him getting parked.
2: Yeah, was it like I'm not a quitter, basically?
3: I mean, yeah, it's like basically, it's like he he wanted to continue on because so he could learn, get more experience. He's like, I'm, I I want to learn, I want to keep going. It's like we're not quitters.
2: Yeah, <laughs> apparently, a lot of the crew of the number eight car was very upset with that as well. Apparently a lot of them were not happy that they were basically told to end their race early on Chip's orders so it's looking like Canaan and Chilton could be out and Kimball could be out too if the sponsorship doesn't come through um, so because Kimball's been one of the worst you know one of the worst full-timers this season unfortunately no matter what way say he's 17th in the championship right now um, yeah. the, the only full-timers the only full-timers that are, that, are, that are worse off than him right now are Michaela Ocean, who's no longer in the series Connor Daly, who we know has been miserably unlucky this season uh, and that's about it outside of Sebastian Bourdais, who obviously missed significant time and you know Spencer Piggott, who doesn't do ovals really so, you know like you can make the case that Kimball is the worst of the full-time runners right now which is uh, not good but uh, quick rundown of the results from Gateway before we get into silly season stuff. Joseph Newgarden, Tennessee Stand Up w- wins wins the race with Scott Dixon and Simon Pagenaud on the podium. Spider Man in fourth with RJ.
1: Connor Daly is fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Connor <laughs> Daly is
2: fifth. You missed the great hair reference for Helio But I will settle for that That is a good runner up (laughs) prize Alex Rossi refuses to go away In 6th place, another great drive from him Charlie Kimball in 7th Who is now known as Stateless Kimball In 7th place The Mayor of Hinchtown of a solid 8th place for Schmidt-Peterson Ahead of Carlos Munoz Well done to Seb Bourdais on the way back In 10th place Good result for Sebastian Saavedra in the 7th car as well 11th place from him Ahead of Graham Rahal. Hmm Ed Jones in 13th, Marco Andretti 14th, Hunter Ray in 15th, then Canon, Chilton, Hildebrand, and the aforementioned triple spin-out of Sato, Power, and Carpenter to bring up the rear of the field. <coughs> in the championship, as we mentioned, Joseph Newgard now have a 31-point lead over Scott Dixon, but Dixon has the ace in the hole. It's Watkins Glen this weekend. That should be fun. Helio <laughs> <laughs> Ocasioneva still hanging on in there in third, 42 points off the top. One point ahead of Simon Pagano in fourth place. Willpower now probably out of the running. He's eighty-three points back now in fifth place. That might be the end of the to, line for Willpower. He need
3: to win. Damn.
2: Yeah, he which is amazing. He's had three wins in six pole positions and he's like almost a hundred points off the top of the title race right now. Kinda nuts. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to consider that. Ray Holland Zipped on 436. ahead of Alex Rossi with 422. He's now leapfrogged Leapfrog Takuma Sato, who's now on 410. More on him in a second. Kanan in ninth 365. It's almost like Kanan's still pretty good or something. Hmm. Yet jobless. And James Hinchcliffe in 10th on 351. Uh, Speaking of which, some city season stuff, King. And it's. We have. Wow. Arguably, the first domino has fallen. As uh, Takuma Sato is out of Andretti. Oh.
1: Yes, now Sato yes. is moving. <laughs>
3: so Sato is moving to a new team, and but, but it's I not mean, really
1: a new team. It's well, not really a new team in the grand scheme of things. It's it's a, it's a familiar setting for Takuma.
3: It's it's familiar but new. As in, there will be a new car in the field completely, because Letterman. Uh, uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, landing and it's expanding to have a full-time second car next year. So Ray. Graham, Graham, for the first time in his career, will have a full-time teammate. Praise be,
2: praise be. Graham Rayall can finally stop complaining he doesn't have enough help to win a title. Um, <laughs> although I know me and Zoe had a chat about this this morning, and we both reckon the same thing. That are we sure this is a good mm. idea? Because, like. Sato doesn't seem like the sort of guy that's, that's going to sit down with Graham and like help him out on how to win a championship. I feel like Sato is in this for Takuma Sato, especially given he's going to be going into next season as the reigning 500 winner. Um, I'm not sure that's going to work, if, to be honest, with King and RJ. I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> you know, like
3: Apparently, the reason Sato decided to make this move was he he, need, he needed to be with the Honda team next year, and he didn't want to wait on Michael Andretti to make a decision on whether he was running Honda or not, so he decided to just move first to a team that was already going to be running Honda engines next year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So
3: pretty much, he would've stayed if, you know, Andretti decided to make a decision earlier, because he didn't want to be left out in the dry unless they, you know, switch to Chevy. Next thing you know, he has to, last second, look for a place to ride, like or have no ride next year.
2: Yeah, like basically he didn't want to take any chances. And to be fair, Michael Andretti has never stood in the way of drivers when they get better deals elsewhere. So, like, it's 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 weird. The timing of this is kind of weird, right? Because this 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 news dropped, I think, on the Friday or the Saturday, the the night that Sato would jump ship to RLL, and like. Within like forty eight hours of the race finishing, Marshall Pruitt puts our report saying that it looks like Andretti's gonna stay with Honda. So it's like oh like did Sato jump the gun a bit too early here? Um You might have done, but don't you Don't
1: could... don't 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 say it <laughs> Don't say it
2: <laughs> <laughs> Was it a case of I'm not gonna say it. It's okay. It's okay. It's implied. <sighs> Breathe. Okay, but yeah, like uh, it, it, like it looks like Sato may have jumped the gun, but it's it's there's an open seat in Andretti now, King. Could it be for yes. Fernando? Could it?
3: Could it? Could it be Fernando? Could it? Could,
2: mm-hmm. Could mm-hmm. it? Fernando, Fernando's I, mm-hmm.
3: I don't know. If I had that to one's say not going
2: away, King. It's not going who away. Who gets
3: that seat? Like it would probably be Colton Herda, even though like the leanings right now is like Colton's not going to win the championship, so there's no point in moving him up. So,
1: Congratulations, like, Kyle Kaiser. You effectively clinched it. All you have to do is start at the Glen. Congratulations. So looks like Colton's going to be in lights
3: for another year. Mm. Uh, they could always bring back uh, a certain guy that they had on as a 500 only at Andretti, Jack Harvey. Hey, uh, well, yeah. and like besides that, it's like maybe bring Carlos Munoz back, which is probably what I think is going to happen. I'd yeah. really like that to happen.
2: I'd like Munoz back in that wing. Like he's 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 great for that, and I think mean, he he did good things of an Andretti. You know, obviously again, maybe your best shot to the 500 race winner as well. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Like, Imagine something like Munoz goes to Andretti and then maybe Canard slots in at AJ Foyt alongside Conor Daly and brings Daly up a little bit. That would be pretty neat because they get along very well, those two. Um,
3: yeah.
2: So, that could work. Um, something like that, maybe. But, uh, like... <sighs> With that on the table still. But,
3: but I, RJ did bring up something that's interesting because mm. the Indy, the, the Indy Life Champion always gets, I believe, a three-race deal in IndyCar, which yes. is two races plus, plus
1: the 500. Yes. So, you are guaranteed at least three races. Um, Kyle Kaiser is guaranteed at least three races, and he's close to a deal. Yeah. We don't know
3: where, don't know where. but he's close to a deal. <laughs> Yep, there is
1: definitely Santi something Ruttia in that. Who,
2: so.
1: yep. And Sandy Ruti is also close to a deal. He's second in the championship after winning the lights race at Gateway. Um, who Number they going five, to end stand up! up
3: <laughs> it's, um, oh, well, Kaiser, Kaiser, he's a Yunkos driver, so he could always
1: be with Yunko sitting in
3: IndyCar. But in,
1: in their they, first full season. Yeah, that, yeah first does full make, season. that does make a whole hell of a lot of sense. It if they don't give it to Spencer Piggott... Yeah. It, yeah.
3: Like, it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard for Spencer Pickett to compete with guaranteed funding from the series itself.
2: Yeah, that's hard. Fair. And yeah, that's going to be a problem. And like, it's like where, like, who's going to get given the heave ho to bring in all these indie lights, guys? That's going to be the problem because it's like you've got a you've got a lot of established names that these teams have got right now, and like. Who, like, who's going to make way for who? Like, is, T, like, like, is the series going to flip them an extra car, or, like, are they going to have to get rid of somebody good? Like, you
0: know.
1: Apparently, uh, Chip Ganassi or, uh, Muldera. they're just uh, on their way to doing that right now. Hmm. We're clearing
2: the decks. Scott Dixon is good. The rest of you, GTFO. <laughs> We're starting over. <laughs> Only Dixon remains. There is only one Scott Dixon. Jeez, um, that like that could be all sorts of fun. Like again, I've got a good shout on Felix. Maybe getting one of those empty seats because Felix is God and driver for Hire. Driver for Hire, Felix, everybody. Um, we, we we need driving for Hire in, in, in the series. get
1: the get the Sunoco Team Lamar driver into a sunoco sponsored car and win the Sunoco Rookie of the Year award.
2: Uh, sir. It's, it's, extre- it's an extremely on-brand signing, I must say. So, yeah,
3: but, but yeah, like looking, like, rumor is that Ganassi might actually cut a car next year, so they'd have Dixon and two teammates, maybe three, but, like, the third car is, like, that. the fourth car is dependent on funding. Right. Uh, and they have that open fourth seat. Uh, Letterman, Hall, Lanigan, we know what's going on there. Uh... Smith Peterson—they're always open for a third car if there's funding available for a third car. Plus, they don't even know who's going to be in the second car next year,
2: or the first one, because again, Hinchcliffe's <laughs> a free agent at the end of the season.
3: But <laughs> being realistic, Hinchcliffe is staying. Yeah, he's
2: probably staying because like he's, he's in a good spot. He wants to be—he likes being a team runner. Yeah, and you know, again, again, like he's got a lot of very good sponsors that like him there at SPM, so he's probably not going anywhere. But. It's, the funny thing is that the one that's least sure about this is James himself <laughs> like he's always said like yeah you know, <laughs> if the contract's all right sure but it's like I mean, he knows his value he's he's the number one free agent on the board was what people are saying pretty much so yeah that could be fun
3: yeah he's the number one on the board now because I know Rossi was highly sought after but it seemed like he's staying at it with Andretti like unless like there's something chip could really do to entice like hinge to be Dixon's number two, it's not going to happen.
2: No. And like Rossi would I can take Dixon if it really came down to it anyway. Because Rossi's is now becoming as good an all rounder as anyone in the series. Like, he's, he's just doing well everywhere. He's, he's he's picked up the ovals like that. Like, he is yeah. now probably a top seven or eight guy in the entire field. There's not many guys I would take over Alex Rossi. Especially if, especially if I was building a team from scratch now. I might take Rossi top three or four overall. That's like that maybe Newgarden or something or somebody like that who is
3: a proven guy. Yeah, like, and, the, and the thing is, like, Rossi's still crazy young for an IndyCar guy. 20, He's 25. 25. He a good 15 years left.
2: Yeah, it's like him and Newgarden are still babies in terms of IndyCar right now. It's in the 26 and 25, respectively, and it's just like... This just isn't but sad. he's clearly
1: not dedicated. He's clearly he's not dedicated. No,
2: no he's, he's, he's not loyal to the series. He's just using it to get back into F1. You know.
3: He, he, he's going to be back at Manor any day now.
2: Of course. Just, he'll be so gutted when he finds out Manor doesn't exist anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, read into that what you will. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things. The city season, we'll keep it we'll keep our tabs on it as always, and we'll let you know if anything comes up. Before we move on to the news though, we have to say a salute to Mr. Ryan King, who last week got to sit down and spend a good fifteen minutes or so with Schmidt Peterson's latest stand-in for the last two rounds of the season. So here is a, a nice little sit-down of Ryan King and Jack Harvey. <music>
3: You've proven that you could, like you could drive well in the lights car, because I remember in your first season in lights, you actually won both races at Sonoma. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was a good weekend, for sure. I mean, I, uh, I've i actually never been to the Glen before, so I know that could be a, uh, a tough one, but I know the historical um, value of of Watkins Glen, you know, and what that means to the motorsport community, not just in North America, but in, to the whole world, actually, so... I really am excited to be there. It's a uh, it's a bucket list track, but I can't deny that you know Sonoma is a track that in the past I've well only won out really because I've only done the two races there in the Indy Lights car and uh, <laughs> won, won both of them. So I guess it'd be nice to keep that going. but Obviously, that's not the expectation, and I uh, either I you know Sonoma was also my first IndyCar test. I was the quickest of the rookies that day, so I think you know the, the opportunity of racing. Uh, the Glen on, uh, you know, my debut road course race is, uh, is pretty amazing. I don't think too many people get to uh, to do that. And then obviously finishing the season off at Sonoma, uh, to be fair, this year is going to have been great. The three races that I will have done will be the 101st first running of the Indy 500, Watkins Glen, and Sonoma. I think uh, I think a lot of people would, you know, chop their uh, chop their arm off to try and be in that seat. So you know, I definitely feel sure lucky. I know we worked hard. these opportunities but um you know i know the team had a couple of driver options that they you know were considering them they chose to go with me so uh, you know i try and give them as good a result as possible to say thank you
3: yeah like i i mean i'm i'm from new york i'm from new york city and watkins Glen is pretty much like my home indycar track unfortunately Mm. i won't be able to be there this year but yeah like if if to me if there's any other race to win besides a 500 it's probably Watkins Glen. Like I would I would kill to drive an Indy car at Watkins Glen.
0: Yeah, I mean honestly the Glen was a track that I knew even before I came to North America. You know, I I, I do know you know what amazing history is there, you know, from from when Formula 1 even raced there and, and more. So yeah, I think honestly the to be making the, you know my road course debut at Watkins Glen is <laughs> It's amazing, really. I haven't quite got the words to explain how cool that is. You know, the thing is, when you start thinking about it more and more, you're like, actually, this is this is really cool. And then you start thinking about it, you're like, oh my god, this is like beyond cool, really. So yeah, it was uh, like childhood dreams. Like, oh yeah. cool this is great. Yeah. So and the thing is, like, I know like, certain places we go to, they really do have like an amazing motorsporting community, and uh, Watkins Glen is one of them. You know, so. I know everybody there really embraces the race. I know it was great to be back last year. Uh, obviously, great to be there this year. And you know, hopefully, it's one you know that just stays on the calendar from here on out.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, like it's it's kind of strange to even be thinking about you know having a part-time IndyCar schedule where you, it's like months between races. Is there like besides like the massive effort to get you know the funding together to get a ride together? How do you stay sharp? Like, try to feel sharp behind the wheel when you get back in the car.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough, honestly. Like, I would definitely say to everybody, uh, it is like a tough part of what, you know, a part-season program, especially, you know, a very part-season program like we have. Um, I, the guys at Smith have been working hard to try and get me on a uh, on a simulator and just stuff like that, but honestly, I've just been trying to stay as sharp as I can in the gym, uh, you know, keeping working on all my reaction times and whatnot, and, you know, I've, learned, I've watched a bunch of Onboard footage and video already, so I think uh, I think you're as prepared as I can be without being in the car and experiencing all these things and actually feeling it for myself. But uh, I mean, that definitely is a challenge and one that's uh, hoping that we can overcome quite quickly in, uh, in an ideal world.
3: Yeah, like it, it can't be easy at all, and like it, it must be great to have, you know a teammate as experienced as James Hinchcliffe out there? Mm. Just, you know, someone to get feedback yeah. off of. Oh, yeah, James is a great guy, actually. James,
0: I think the day <laughs> when we were talking about it is, when I first moved to Indy, James was one of the very few, i say very few, a lot of people did, but James was very nice to me from the first time I moved here, you know, from the very first time I met him. So yeah. to be able to come in and, you know, try and contribute to the team, uh, you know, as good a way as I can, you know, and help him in, in any way I can, you know, to get a good result for, you know, for the team, for him. Uh, you know, I do recognize that these are just single events for me. Uh, you know, it's not really going to change too much that we have planned for next year, but, uh, you know, I want him and the team to finish as high up as possible. And, you know, James is, uh, he's like a great combination of, a, you know, terrific driver. He's a really great person. Um, you know, he's exactly the kind of teammate you want, really. So, uh, yeah, I definitely felt lucky to be, uh to be sharing the, the engineering office with him, that is for sure. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, like, even though these are one off races, they you know, there's definitely, you know, a way that these races could help you in the future. Like, mm. like is there anything that you're thinking about, you know, for next year, maybe? Like,
0: something else down the line that this could maybe build sure. up to? Yeah, I mean, we're very hopeful that, you know, these, uh, if we do a good job in these set of races, it's, uh, you know, it may lead to something a little bit more. Uh, next year whether it's with uh, with our sponsors or with the teams or just showing teams of what i can do you know really uh, you know i remember uh conor daly before he got his first season at coin ended up doing a similar kind of program where he jumped in the car when james was uh, was injured um you know and i think i do believe that led to his coin tea. so i mean we're taking these races very seriously um you know that it could be you know hopefully the the you know, hopefully when we look back at it in a few years go oh that they was a the, that was the re kick start to getting in the car full time <laughs> so yeah i mean we you we know for as much as i you know kind of jovial sometimes and whatnot i you know I like to have a good time, but you know we take these you know very seriously you know every race is an opportunity to try yeah. and show people what I can do and you know why I am a you know good person to try and put in the car and you know like i said to uh Sam and Rick and already that basically I wanted to do such a good job where they're like, Oh, we really need to get this kid in the car and actually almost create a headache for people to try and figure out where to put me. So, um, <laughs> you know, the thing is like, I know, I know it's going to be tough. You know, I'm under no uh, disillusion there. It's going to be incredibly hard, but you know, I believe in myself, uh, you know, I believe in the team and I know they believe in me. So hopefully that combination there can uh, get a couple of good results
3: yeah hopefully uh, like uh, like smith peterson has already shown this year that they're capable of getting those good results so hopefully sure. that you know you being back with this team could to lead to you know great results because i know uh unfortunately he's no longer with the team of kyle lotion he's done great on this car with the, on the road courses sure. so it, it's yeah, i would say on paper it, it seems like you should be out f- for for a good weekend. You just need to put the work in.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just that I think you're, you're right. I mean, you know, we know the team is good. We know the car is good. That's why we wanted to uh, try and be the one driving it, uh, honestly. Um, <laughs> you know, I know – I think the Glen will be – the Glen, I think, will be tough. Uh, you know, it'll be my first road course race in an IndyCar. Uh, you know, it's a physical circuit, but um, – yeah, honestly, I still don't see any reason why we can't achieve a good result. Now we can we can debate what we all think a good result is uh, another time. But um, yeah. you know, I I believe I do believe in the team. I know what a quick car they've got this year. You know, they've shown it with with James with Mikhail. Um, You know, just want to be the person to keep contributing to that.
3: Yeah, like it's it's definitely something to look forward to, but. Slightly looking back, how was it to you know step into you know the Entretes with you know in a partnership with Michael Shank Racing? But Mm. in that six-car lineup at Indianapolis, it must have been it must have been experience, especially for your first Indianapolis 500.
0: Oh wow, yeah, I mean, what was it? So initially, my deal was just with with Andretti, but then as Fernando came over, they uh, they brought in Michael Shank, and I love Michael; he's such a great guy. I mean, I was happy to. you know, to partner with him. And then, I remember there was one day I was in the engineering office and this of like, looked across and, uh, although Takuma hadn't won it at the time, I was yeah. sat next to, like, literally next to two-time Formula One world champion, this guy who was my childhood hero, you know, Fernando Alonso, literally just, like, asking me how my car felt. And I'm <laughs> like, well, you know, this is kind of what it felt like. What did you think? And then I'm sat across from... Uh, Alexander Rossi, who just won the Indy 500, Ryan Ray who's a series champion, and he's won the 500, uh, Marco, who's come about as close to winning it, and it hasn't, as you can get, and then Takuma, And I mean, it was just, just amazing, mate, honestly. You know, it was just a, uh, it just really, really was a amazing experience, because the amount of people in that room, they're the guys that, you know, the success that they've had in the careers that they have had already, is what I'm working for. Um, yeah, you know, and to be there, to be able to, you know, speak with uh, Michael Andretti and Mario and, and and everybody there, it was a great experience. I, don't, I mean, I think it's, it is fair to say it didn't exactly play out the way we hoped um, for, you know, for numerous reasons. But you know, we had a good race going. We were moving through the field where we kind of hoped we might and could be. Um, you know, I cannot avoid all the debris on track and it was just a yeah. shame uh, you know, that uh, you know, of crashed and I hit a big piece of uh, the debris it cut the tyre and I spun and it took me out of the race and you know initially we had yeah, spoken I mean, with Andretti at trying to do Sonoma but the thing is I look at all these things and you know based off of the 500 we were able to get in the car for Glenn and Sonoma and then hopefully off of those races we can try and do more next year and you know we're not people to like bury my head in the sand you know we know what this industry is and, you know, how it could be uh, hard at times and cool at times, but, you know, you can also reap high rewards at times and, you know, we're just, we're just here working as hard as we can to try and be on the grid, you know, simply, um, we try and make the most of every opportunity, um, and just go from there. Yeah, like that's,
3: like, that's a fantastic mindset to have, especially, you know, when things out of control, out of your control can happen and, you know, this is a great experience for hopefully upcoming 500s where you have all this, you know, knowledge to build off sure. of.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, <laughs> a few people called me and were like, oh, man, I feel so bad for you. I was like, okay. I was like, you know, no do it for, like, a day. I was like, It'll come tomorrow. I was like, don't feel bad for me. I was like, I was one of 33 people who started the Uni 500. I was like... Yes. <laughs> you know, let like, I said to people, I was good it with the result. And then I kind of thought, well, actually... Nothing really to be too disappointed about. Obviously, I'm a competitive person. I'm here to try and win and get as good results as possible. However, there wasn't. There was only 33 guys who got the opportunity to start and see the green flag of that race, and I was one of them. And you know, we're not. I don't bury my head in the sand and think, "Poor me, poor me." You know, I'm just here trying to work hard and try and show people what I can do, and hopefully, it leads to a more full-time drive. You know, and that's that's all we. It's all we can do. It's all we're trying to do, and all we're hoping to do. Yeah, and like, it's you know
3: thousands and thousands of people are you know out there hoping to be in that 33, and you made it, and that's definitely something to be proud of. Oh, that's not say mega. Like, <laughs> Yeah, oh, I, I would say I think I have time for one last question. Like, I would say if if there's anything that you could hope for in these last two rounds of this weekend, what what do you hope for it to happen, whether on the track or off the track?
0: Uh, one of my funniest memories from Indy was when I was just getting changed. and I kind of like side bump hip Fernando. That was kind of funny. That was a surreal moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know honestly. I mean, I think I would like to try and get a couple of top tens. I think that would be a good uh, a good achievement for the last few races. Mate, um, like, honestly, I, I don't know. I guess really, I mean, we we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out. I mean, just before India had this whole image in my head how i hoped it would go and i think what i learned from it is just kind of take what comes at you and try and deal with it the best we can so i don't know kind of i'd like to get some of the, the good results on track i'd like to see james do something funny in the trailer maybe one that i can keep a, like, over him for a few years or two but uh, maybe i'll just try and get some dance lessons i don't know well, I'll, I'll just figure it out when the
3: moment comes yes yeah well have a great have a great weekend in Watkins Glen. Thank you. Have a great weekend in Sonoma. Like I really hope you do well. I know my co-hosts out there are pulling for you too. Thank you. Like good luck, to, good luck, Jack.
0: Perfect. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate
2: that. Special thanks to Jack Harvey for being so gracious with his time, and I want to say a big thanks to Veronica at SPM for running their media department, who was so patient with me <laughs> getting that interview set up. She did the Lord's work. So big thanks to Veronica over there at SPM as well. If you if you ever get time to get James free, you know,
3: hold Yeah, yeah, he, he has his own podcast. I think it's like an exclusivity deal. You know, like how the we WWE is like <laughs> it, if you're gonna if you're gonna wrestle, you can only wrestle for us. And I think Hitch is like, I only do my own shows.
2: It's like, listen, we can swap. I'll go on his show. He can come on ours, right? The the audience is ready for that, right? You know. Ah, whatever. Oh God. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Um... So, let's get into the news, and RJ, you want to talk about the Suzuka 1000 km this past weekend, right?
1: Yes! It happened this past weekend, Jensen Button was in it, and now I'm going to play a fun game for y'all. Um, I'm going to take, I'm going to break down a sequence of events that happened in Jensen Button's very first Super GT race, with Team Mugen and co-drivers, former IndyCar series rookie of the year Hideki Muto, and second generation driver Daisuke Nakajima. Tell me if this sounds on brand with everything that has transpired in Jensen Button's career over the last full few full seasons that he has had with McLaren Honda. Okay. okay. Starting off with the obvious, he has a mid-engined Honda engine that, for much of 2015 and 16, has struggled for pace compared to their rivals.
3: Yay! <laughs> Ooh, that's that is it, that's both. That's both. <laughs> okay. That's a yes right. right
1: there. <laughs> Right, so he was—he missed out on Q1, missed out from advancing out of Q1 by just uh, less than a tenth of a second to a former GP3 race winner.
3: That That is, that is, that is happened in F1, and I assumed it happened in Super g
1: <laughs> King's losing it yes, already. Was... Yeah, he qualified ninth
2: about Paul um, McLaren these days
1: right <laughs> right right okay so we move on to the race itself which starts for Jensen Button effectively on lap 25 mm-hmm. um he gets a drive through penalty for a pit for, for an unsafe release out oh of the pits oh, come on, on his very first stint in the car
2: jesus so he gets he... in the
1: car and gets a penalty <laughs> in his like... very first competitive stint. Then later in the race, he gets another penalty for overtaking under yellows.
2: Oh, Jensen. Come on, man.
1: And he finishes two laps out of the points.
3: But but let's let's bring this around. In IndyCar, was it, is it similar to what happened to Alonzo, where Button didn't win, but another Honda did win? <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, indeed it was, <laughs> and we got we got something of a really neat result out of it. So, Nakajima Racing, Satoru Nakajima's team, they yes. you, they formerly of the Mobile One NSS and Epson NSS, that's NSS that's years that's gone that's by, oh. won the race. They it was their first win in a span of 72, 73 races, or in terms of time, it was nine years nine months and. 27 days since the last time they won a race in GT500 Wow. with an all IndyCar alumnus lineup of Bertrand Baguette, the bread man the bread doing winner. things
2: the bread and
1: Kosuke Matsura, Once, once upon a time, former Fernandez racing driver and IndyCar series rookie of the year. And they did this in a race where they probably shouldn't want on paper because they're the only team on Dunlop tires and they only seem to do well when it rains a lot. So when you figure this race is going to be dry and sunny all the time, you're thinking, right, they have no chance. Yes, they have about six kilograms of success ballast, which is nothing. But even still, you wouldn't give them a chance to hold up in the long run uh, over the course of the race. And to their credit, they did. They set that car up perfectly. Bertrand Baguette and Kosuke Matsura just drove the damn wheels off the thing. And it was a really, really... Just a very popular win for that team, especially since it's at a Honda-owned track that a Honda wins the race. Not, not just the biggest race in the calendar, but the final running of the biggest race in the calendar as we know it today. Two Hondas get on the podium, in fact, and Nissan Motorsport finish in second to take the championship lead in a race that pays out extra points. Golly, you've got a feel for one of the other Honda teams, the Cain Real Racing NSX GT, which pretty much curb-stopped the field for the first half of the race, only to blow a tire with 25 laps to go and crash out. Oh, damn! Yes, yes. If you if you would like to go watch this race back on YouTube on Nismo TV, oh boy. Um, <laughs> so 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 strange things happened during this race. Um, some of you who have seen these races before might know that uh, NISMO TV, when they do their broadcast, they get their pictures from what's basically an internet feed coming from Japan to their studio in London where they broadcast the race. Um, the commentary worked fine. The video from the stream itself worked fine, except the pictures they were getting, um, could you just imagine like having it constantly freeze and buffer and freeze? And buffer on a continuous loop, Ugh. not only for like the last 30 straight laps of the race. Damn. Yeah. It. Up. It. Yeah. And you know, fair play to commentators Sam Collins, who I was lucky enough to have the chance to interview for Super GT World. If you want to go and read it, check it out on SuperGTWorld.wordpress.com. <laughs> yes nice sam is a very good interview um he and co-commentator rob barf did as about as well as a good job they could covering in a, a situation where i think i probably would have just thrown a chair
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that is that is even we'll
2: so that
1: well.
3: is worse than the sketchy f1 feeds <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: especially considering the audience that they were going to have it was probably going to be the biggest because of when Jensen Button and I'm sure Komui Kobayashi who finished fourth, by the way, as the best of the Lettses, along with his co-drivers, Yuhi Sekiguchi and Yuji Konamoto, they did really well. So they were going to get a big audience for this race, especially considering the magnitude of this event and who was driving in it, and the stream just poops in bed. Not great so uh, so apart from that if you if you want to go and see if you can find like a japanese broadcast of the entire six race definitely go and watch it it has a lot of drama it has a lot of intrigue the gt300 winners pulled an absolute blinder when they pitted on the very first lap of the race and effectively ran a four-stop strategy afterwards when everybody else had to do five stops wow that was insane yeah. Yeah. yeah right. That was their, basically their way of doing a four stop strategy in a race where you had to serve a minimum five pit stops. You pit on the opening lap and then you just go as long and as hard as you can for the next five legs of the race. Jesus.
2: That's insane.
1: Yeah. Yes. It, it was a good watch. And of course I'm just, I'm really excited to see a team win for the first time in 10 years. I'll admit, I thought they had no chance. Boy, do I look stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time on this podcast. Uh,
2: <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Respectable. Respectable. You tell him, King. <laughs> you know how that feels. Oh, dear. Yes, I know how that feels. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure when you look at the Centennial Cup results at the end of it all, you'll be able to do the same thing with me. Uh <laughs> sheer bad luck and whatnot. So, yeah, obviously more of that. And obviously check out Obviously check out King uh, sorry, RJ's work on Super GT well, obviously coverage of that race and a bunch of other cool stuff as well regarding Japanese motorsport always always a fun time King, tell us more about two more races that Liberty Media are considering
3: oh dear, yes yes, Liberty Media is considering returning to one the the other South American Grand Prix nation Argentina <laughs>
1: Oh, yay! Argentina,
3: and it's to the circuit. It's not to a new circuit. It's back to the old circuit where they used to race in Argentina. Ah, And crazily enough, uh, the the billionaires who are proposing this want to use the old six kilometer layout that goes around, that goes out and around the lake. Whoa. Like, okay, let me try to find this.
1: Yeah, this is the Autodromo Juan y Oscar Galvez in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yes. Nailed it. Argentine Nailed Grand it. Prix up until <laughs> 1998 on what was a fairly short circuit in the uh in the mid to late 90s, but way back in the day there was like a whole outer section that they used and like I want to say it was like the a very fat it was used from 74 to 81 basically it's just a long flat out run with a long flat out right hand corner that just golly this track is fast how the hell are they gonna pull this off I don't know I don't like it's not possible it can't be
3: safe
2: like I'm looking at it now and it's just like holy shit it's like like that doesn't look <laughs> yeah you're looking at it and you're like
3: what is that like, it's, it's like, like
2: <laughs> it's like the circuit has got, has got like it's just developed an enormous growth like... eggplant
1: emoji. <laughs>
2: um, okay. That seems ambitious.
3: But I mean, like, there are other options if they want to, like, legit have a good race in Argentina. Like, uh, where MotoGP goes, that is a fantastic circuit.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great bike track. The um, Autodromo, um, Tio, I, how, I can't remember the exact pronunciation. I think it's Tio hondo or something like that. But so, uh, yeah, the MotoGP circuit is great. Um, it's a fantastic bike circuit, even if Marquez wins all the time. But, uh, you know, it is, it is yeah, a Yeah, the Autodromo
3: Terramas de Rio Hondo. Yeah.
2: There we go. Nailed it. Uh,
3: but um, so, Argentina's won. What's the other one, King? The other one, it is uh, a, a nation in Southeast Asia that is not. It's not Thailand. It's not. Malaysia. It's not Singapore. It's not Indonesia. Well,
1: if it's not any one of those, then what is it? It's Vietnam. Come again? Oh! And,
3: uh, it's interesting place to have a Grand Prix.
2: Very, very interesting place to have a Grand Prix. That's, um, creative.
3: Yeah, oh and, like, in the past it's come up before. Like, Recently, I know it came up earlier this year that that Bernie Ecclestone said that he vetoed the idea of a of a Grand Prix in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But basically Formula,
1: Formula One having a race in a country with a lot of political strife in years past. That would never that would happen. Never happen. <laughs>
3: It's, like, a country that has, been, like, had a lot of political strife. Now they're going through an economic upswing. So they're, like, they have this reputation of being poor. But they're not poor anymore. They're actually pretty wealthy. It's like, but,
2: so it's, it's, like, so it's just hashtag new money.
3: Yes, yes. Nice. Yes, yeah, like, I think Bernie said that his, like, the offer that he got was, uh, I think, a 320 million pound contract. Whew.
2: Lord, does that include the tip?
3: Yes, I mean, like, I love, one of the articles I read to prepare for this was actually in the sun, and just, like, how, like, out of, out of touch that most western media is about the current state of Vietnam, their headline like, is, good morning, Vietnam! Oh! Formula One, <laughs> Formula One Chiefs considering Vietnam Grand Prix as a replacement for
1: Malaysia.
2: No! 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 Why? Like this.
1: You mean is... to it... tell me that um, Western F one media has like a really blighted opinion of all parts of Asia outside of like maybe Japan and like Australia or something? That would never happen. <laughs> that would never happen. But
3: apparently Guys, the plan the, for the, the race Yeah, the, the plan for the race involves uh it would be it would be another street race around the streets of Ho Chi Minh City, which formerly formerly known as Saigon. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, jeez, I was going to say, like, this is why Sebastian Vettel banned the sun from answering, it, asking him questions uh, this weekend. They're coming out with good morning, Vietnam, dickheads. So why am <laughs> oh, I not surprised? So
1: Liverpool not had the... it right the first time, y'all.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you're talking to, you know, they were talking to Sebastian Vettel, who does actually support Liverpool, which is heartbreaking and yet completely understandable at the same time. And he loves the open club, which doesn't exactly help either. But, um,.
3: Yeah, but again, it's 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 interesting to have another street race added onto the calendar to the already expanded list of tons of street races.
2: What you mean? You're gonna say that like Ho Chi Minh City welcomed us?
3: <laughs> like, let's see the street race. Right. We have uh, Australia, uh, technically Russia, also as well Canada, uh, obviously Monaco, Azerbaijan, and Singapore. No, I've got it.
1: F1 is oh, faux-real. Faux-real. Faux real. <laughs> oh End God. the
2: show. <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> that is terrible. Um, moving, moving Speaking into of, of terrible,
1: terrible, Renault!
2: <laughs> Go on, RJ.
1: <laughs> um, so, is Renault ready to announce a second driver yet to partner with Nico Hulkenberg? No. No.
3: You no, like, they they are in a position where they're stuck between a rock and a bunch of angry F1 drivers.
2: So, in other words, it's like, basically, Renault can't wrap their head around it, but they're basically spoiled for choice for driver options at this point. And it's like, they can't wrap their heads around the idea of making the decision, basically.
3: Yeah, yeah, like, so, apparently, there's a lot of things that are coming up that actually play into stories we talked about earlier, where we have... Uh, Fernando Alonso wants out of McLaren. He doesn't, it seemingly doesn't even care where anymore. Um, We have Robert Kubica, who obviously wants to make a comeback. We have Carlos Sainz Jr. who wants to get out under the looming looming cloud of being potentially replaced by a Red Bull young driver down the line and we also have both Force India drivers who want to move on to bigger better things Renault might not be as fast as Force India at the moment but they have all the resources and facilities to build a car that would eventually be better than the Force India so yeah both Ocon could leave Mercedes and Perez could get that top seat that he wants
2: so who do you take Anyone?
3: Uh, I don't know, because there's also the drivers currently at Renault, because, uh, you know, Jolene Palmer, he wants to
1: stay on.
2: He's <laughs> driving
1: desperately to <laughs> I stay just
2: burst into
0: laughter as in, you said that. In,
1: fa- in fairness, in fairness, he had a pretty good <laughs> qualifying session, and then it went all to poop. Jolene yeah. Palmer is going to get so much money from Aston Martin at the GT Pro. <laughs> Ooh.
3: And outside of Palmer, the young driver in the, the reno Driver Academy, Oliver Rowland, he is desperately trying to win this F two championship. Have fun with and that. And he's not yo. the
1: only. He's not the only uh, young driver. We just kind of forgot that Sergey Sorokin's just chilling there.
3: Yes, yeah, Sergey Sorokin's just chilling there with that. <laughs> just like I'm staying the program. Yeah, but uh, they give me free
2: birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Ooh, there's, and, there's literally, like, a dozen different options that Renault could have for that second seat alongside Nico Hulkenberg. Good luck picking is, that one out. It, it, it's, time it's,
1: it's to start a satellite team. Dacia F1, <laughs> baby! Go into <laughs> D- the top! Dacia
3: F1? <laughs>
2: yeah, boy! <laughs> oh, jeez, but, like...
3: Oh, this is just... Who would you take in that It situation? is just...
2: Because, like, there is... There's a dozen names you could get right now if you really wanted to, because again, that is an appealing seat. It's probably the most appealing seat that's left in F1 right yeah. now. So,
1: the heart, the heart probably want, the heart definitely wants Kubica. The head, it really wants Carlos Sainz or Aston Villa. Yeah, I want well, Sainz or Oka.
2: <laughs> like. I want signs or Ocon. Let me get that clear right here and now. I will settle for Ro- Roland.
3: Roland would be acceptable third.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would take Roland. Roland's good. Like it's uh, it's just that Roland's got like maybe a once in a generation sort of talent competing against him in Formula 2 right now. But Oliver So the fact Roland's that good. he's even
3: able like the fact that he's even able to hold a candle up to him is like incredible nonetheless. Seriously
2: impressive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it makes you wonder what would have happened if Sergio Perez had actually taken that Renault deal and then not changed his mind at the last minute um, well, what would happen fun, if
1: Sergio okay. Perez just suddenly didn't race in Formula 1 anymore <laughs> hmm. oh. oh we'll get to that in a moment
2: yeah go on King. So, Like apparently he's like,
3: but, <laughs> no I mean a moment where it's like there's I, still continuing about the Renault part um, there There's issue like, there are things that they, they, Robert has limitations, and it's, it's not, the limitations for Robert's how long he would stay with Renault, that's the big concern in the Renault camp, that if they do bring Robert back, how long is this gonna be for? And they pretty much had to deflect the way questions that say, Is Robert a plan B or a plan C if they can't get a, a top driver to be a long term project for their team? And they had to shoot down and like, no, Robert's not a plan B or a plan C. He's not just to hold hold off this question for a year. Because
2: the thing is he's already thirty two years old. And yeah, that
3: would suddenly he's, not only is he th- 32 years old he's 32 years old and not you know been a Formula 1 driver full time for what 5-6 six years
2: 6 years I think I think his last season was 2011 um jeez um and then all of a sudden renault has got one of the oldest teams on the field as well because he'd have an average age of yeah. 31 because you've got Nico Hulkenberg who just turned 30 last week um in the paddock alongside him as well so is that really what, like, he basically saying, Renault, that, yeah, your academy, no, your services are no longer required? Because that's what that sort of move would illustrate. Like, why have you brought in Gimitsu when you've got a young driver academy with two really solid drivers in there? Um, yeah,
3: and then you have the situation where, yes, Robert could do one full race distance, but, you're like, he trained so hard just for that one thing. Now you have to consider that he has to do that twenty times in a year. That's a big ask of any human being, let alone a thirty-two-year-old with a permanently
2: damaged arm that's not been around the F1 calendar for six years. She's um, thirty-three next year, and that's that's a big ask. And so yeah, there's a whole sort, there's a whole range of convoluted scenarios here. Um, so. Good luck picking that one out. But, uh, yeah, I'm all aboard the Carlos Signs Wagon. Let's go, Carlos. Let's go, Carlos? Let's get Carlos that factory seat he deserves. The man's a goddamn great driver. I'm um, here for that. here for all of that. Speaking of alternative options, though, King, a certain name you mentioned earlier is thinking about a possible IndyCar team.
3: Well, yes, we, we mentioned... I'm pretty sure we mentioned this name earlier. Yeah because we mentioned Hideki Muto because Hideki Muto had driven for him in the past yes, sir. Uh, Adrian Fernandez is thinking about re-entering the IndyCar scene and entering the Mexican the former Mexican driver owner wants to enter an all Mexican team into IndyCar which he hopes to get uh, Espan Gutierrez and one Sergio Perez I love the
2: ambition <laughs> okay, yeah. maybe if, not so much on Esteban's side, because Esteban actually wasn't all that bad at IndyCar in the races he's filled in. Yeah, let's guess, let's go get, like, a top-eight driver in the field like Sergio Perez. Like, why not, right? <laughs> I'm sure he'll be... i hey, sure if he, he'll love a move.
1: <laughs> hey, you know, if he wants out of Force India bad enough, he'll probably take it. And shoot, if Adrian Fernandez can get that reunion with that Takata money, oh, baby.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's like, and it's like... And it's thing. like, apparently, uh, IndyCar is going to Mexico City next year. They just haven't announced yet. And they're oh, kind of delaying until, until, you know, Adrian Fernandez can maybe announce a single car team next year with just. With, like, they're hoping for just one car next year for Gutierrez and maybe expanding to two cars, like, the year after for Sergio Perez. But, like, if Sergio wants to leave early. He could
1: definitely just leave early yeah those sponsors would come and remember adrian fernandez in case y'all have forgotten from about the mid to late 90s to about the early 2000s easily one of the best drivers in american open wheel racing by far for a late bloomer and for a guy who spent a lot of time as an owner driver yeah and
3: you also know who sergio perez's agent is oh hmm adrian fernandez
2: Well, how about that? (laughs) (laughs) It helps. certainly helps have guys in the right corner or something. But, um, yeah, that is a a fun one. That is a fun one indeed. I I wouldn't mind seeing that. Uh, A a couple of other interesting city season movies. Let's go to Formula E for a minute. And... uh, there's been a lot of talk about the dominoes that may fall a certain way regarding Formula E and their grid lineup for the future, because, again, almost everybody's on the deck right now. But we, we heard one of the first driver announcements this past week. Faraday Future have swapped out Loic Duvall and have brought in Neil Yarni.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it, it's good to see Neil Yarni still
1: be employed, thank God. <laughs> It's nice. If you might, if you might recall, Neil Yanni, who had won the 24 Hours of love last year, is now out of an LMP1 drive because Porsche has decided. Now we're done.
2: Yeah. The, the, op- the open The market has been bleak, but uh, yeah, Neil Yanni in there now at Florida Future alongside Jerome Dambrosio, one of the few names that was confirmed going into in, <laughs> going into Formula E silly season. Um, nice move for Neil Yanni I'd love to see how he gets on in Formula E. It's always such an interesting uh, field when you know you get someone, someone new joining Formula E. you always kind of yeah. wanted to see where it all shakes out. We've seen it many a times. You know, guys like you know John Eric Vern or you know <laughs> or, um, or Mitch Evans, for example. You
1: know, Lest we forget, Neil Yanni former Sauber F1 test driver and former Champ Car World Series driver. Back with yes. uh, Minority Team USA.
2: Not, not a bad guy to have that. Not a bad guy to have at all.
3: And
1: uh, it all. It, it, Stupid
2: fast.
3: Like, Tangent, weird thing that there's only, like, four drivers confirmed. Like, there are only four drivers that are definitely confirmed and E next year. We, we we have all the highly probables and pretty much going to happen, but only Renault and, and Dragon Raisin have confirmed their driver a lot of us next year.
2: Yeah. Everything else is still up for grabs. Like I'm, sh- i darn sure Lucas will stay um, at at the Audi team, but uh, everything else, God knows. Like I know the many of of uh, the Formula E fans out there are begging for Daniel Ab to stick around because he's such a such a class personality. But again, he, he's up for the chop as well, so who knows what could what could happen. More on that as we get it uh, in Formula E. <laughs> Bound to be. Also,
3: other note for future Formula, uh, yeah, future. Formula E silly seasons. Despite Mercedes leaving DTM, they want to keep the, their former DTM drivers on retainer.
2: Yeah, it helps. Just, you know, just in case.
3: Hmm. <laughs> just, just in case something comes up. Yeah,
2: it helps. You know, it's good to have those guys in reserve. You know, just in case. Speaking of reserves, just Red Bull. Um, sadly, they've dropped one of their guys from their driver academy game.
3: Yes, they've dropped the young Finnish talent, Niko Kari.
1: Oh, I had such high hopes for him.
3: Yes, the the Northern European Zone's first uh, Formula Four champion. Like, if you don't know, the FIA's Northern European Zone consists of Russia and the Baltic states. So fin, so it's Finland and the Baltic states. So you got Estonia in there, but it's mainly just Finland and Russia and. Kari was their first Formula Four champion in 2015. After that, he got signed to Red Bull, and la- like last year he was in the European Championship. This year, he's in he's in GP3, and it's
1: he's, he hasn't been, been spectacular. Like he's been decent. He's tenth in the championship. He has a podium, but that's not up to the standards of the Red Bull Junior team, which, as we know, are very high, almost too high for a lot of us.
3: Yeah, and I think it's due to the fact that uh, we have this weird situation in GP3 where it's a four-way title fight between, like, all Academy drivers, and, like, the only Academy not to have a horse in this title fight is Red Bull.
2: Yeah. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Where you
3: have, uh, it's between between Mercedes, George Russell, it's between Renault's Jack Aiken... Honda's uh naray Fukazimi and uh, Ferrari's, uh well son of John Alessi oh boy and yeah it's it's a it's a title fight. It's a it's, it's a it's a real title fight with no Red Bull guys despite being like you'd think you'd think young driver academies having a good title fight you'd think Red Bull would be involved, but they just didn't pick a winner
2: yeah bumming on that one um last little piece of news before we wrap this up rj like your, your beloved taylor brothers have gained the third man for petit Le Mans coming up
1: and his name is ryan hunter ray captain america joins america's greatest team in america's greatest car no. for, for america's greatest endurance race that isn't the 24 hours of daytona or no. the 12 hours of sebring or the uh, six hours at the glen no, fuck you this one's longer <laughs> I've been to it before it's it's back it's more important anyway y'all okay. Ryan Ryan Hunter Ray has a has an end of season gig at the Petit Le Mans he may not be the only um, he may not be the only IndyCar force there um, of course Hunter Ray is filling in for Alex Lynn, who would have been their third driver but um, Alex Lynn has some sort of scheduling conflict that we, that I do not know about. What we do know is that Ryan Hunter Ray is going to be driving for the team that's probably gonna win the DPI championship. Uh, at a canter. Um, also, Penske. Penske's DPI project. That launched a couple of weeks ago and they're gonna try and do like a, a soft test for it by just bringing a standard um, Orica global LMP2 car to Petite Le Mans. They'll likely have one of their drivers, maybe Juan Pablo Montoya will be at Petit Ma. I know they'll get some running in there before they launch their Acura DPI car in 2018. And golly, that's a nice-looking car. Yeah. Yeah, it really
3: is. That Acura Penske, it is nice-looking. It is. It is nice-looking in the same way that the Death Star is nice-looking, where it's like you see it. <laughs> You you know it does something really bad. You haven't seen it do bad things yet, but you know it can do bad things. You see it, you're like, that's cool looking. I'm a little scared, but it's cool looking.
2: In other words, it's like um, the the scene on the countdown in the film Independence Day, then, basically. (laughs) It's like, ooh, cutters, and then...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, you know it is pretty bad when Penske, Honda and orica have to all come together to build a hulkbuster to beat a dad and his two sons in a cadillac
3: yeah whoa whoa that cadillac as i as i've put pointed out times before that cadillac is a thermonuclear mm-hmm. weapon built in detroit
2: Lit. <laughs> and on that note as the death star looms over this podcast it's almost eleven thirty at <laughs> night here in the uk I think it's about time we wrap this show up. um, Shout out to everybody that's still in the chat watching. There's still 13 of you in here. My God. Um, Thanks for sticking around in the long haul. Much appreciated. I hope you guys enjoy the uh, cleaner, more efficient, plus interview version that comes out in a couple of days' time. Um, So, yeah, massive thanks to all you guys for sticking around with us. Quick more bit of housekeeping before we go. Again, motorsport101.net, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, at twitter at motorsport underscore 101, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, at Harrison 101 HD. And if you really, really, like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Don't forget, $5 to get early access to both this show and to Bike Life, which comes out later this week on Saturday as we talk about all the action from Silverstone as Mark Marquez decided to follow the Honda pattern of going pop hooray um, more on that as we get it over the weekend. So a, lot, a lot of stuff happening a lot of cool shit to talk about as well looking forward to that with Lewis Soudamy so until then I've been Andre Harrison he's been R.J. O'Connell and Ryan King and I will catch you guys in the next episode until then thanks for listening bye later y'all
0: i mate. i not You are the world champion.
3: Wait, did you just steal my bye? You say sorry Nara. I say bye That's the way things go down We have contract There's going to be Shana? a lot of bloopers in this episode isn't there? <laughs>